Welcome to Superhero Speak. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm John. Story! Oh, God. As I said before, you were really wrestling that into the ground, man. That's what I do. I wrestle. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love this movie, and I love this song. I'm so excited that nothing else happened this week. (laughs) Except the fact that almost every single person I know either has a family member or they themselves have the flu or walking pneumonia. Guilty as charged. Uh, my wife has mocking pneumonia. My kid has actual pneumonia. It's bad right now. My next door neighbor had it. People at work have it. I don't know what the hell is going on. I, I've never I, I seen it this prevalent before. I don't have pneumonia, but I do have a cold and my right ear is clogged and I can't hear anything in my right ear right now. Oh, I'll just I, keep singing in your right ear. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just stop when you get halfway to this. Um, you know, I, I was, I had, I started with the flu four weeks ago and now I've got pneumonia. So it's, I'm on the tail end of it, I hope, but Jesus criminy, man, this is ridiculous. Is that how you're doing, John? <laughs> Pretty that, much. I, just... I probably look like hell. I haven't slept in, in over a month because I keep waking up with cold sweats because, because the, the flu and pneumonia suck. Sleep is for the weak. Yeah, that's what we developers would normally say. If I were half my, okay, a quarter of my age. Well, anyway. Anything so, new with you this week besides being sick? New? I'd have to say no. I went to see Godzilla minus one again last night with my next door neighbor. Yeah, I'm totally worth it too. There's more you can gain out of it. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, it was worth it. And I, def- and it's I definitely agree. million now. I definitely agree with a movie like that. You can watch it multiple times to get new stuff because let's be honest, it's I'm old. I read slow and there might be stuff I missed the first time. Well, I got you everything are, the first time, but, it, but there's, there's certain scenes that you get more out of because of like how much they packed into the yeah. character development in this. And it's up to uh, what is it up to? Oh, geez. No it, good. Domestic, domestic is okay. So America domestic 25 million. And then in Japan, 26 million and like everywhere else, it's. They're disputing the budget. They reported 15 million. (laughs) I wish it was that much. Yeah. Worldwide Ah. is 52 million now. Dude, that's a success. Like for a Japanese Godzilla movie for a Japanese movie. Like this, we're not talking about Marvel here. Like cheap budget. And like it's second to the domestic box office this weekend behind uh, the boy and the heron. So the Japanese culture wins this week. Yep. Have you seen that yet, John? The Boy and Heron? No, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Yeah, it looks good. And Andy and I went and saw Godzilla. They had a trailer for that. And I went, ooh, Miyazaki. I haven't seen Miyazaki in a while. And I do. I'm the anti-anime guy. Who doesn't like a Miyazaki movie? Come on. Yeah. Like, it's impossible. If you've seen Princess Mononoke, you're like, okay, I get it. Howl's right? Moving Castle is one of my favorites. Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. And, like, and, yeah. Yeah. They're, all, they're all awesome. So I'm like, going to take the kid to see this one, too. Because it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. So then what else is new with you, JD? Anything? Uh, we had a tremendous wrestling loss this weekend. I was just horribly horrified and miserable. And I'm spoiled because we're usually pretty good. So that was rough. Other Did you than that, I have Andy breathe on the other team to get him back? I should have. <laughs> Didn't know he was sick at the time. 
No, he was supposed to have his first tournament this weekend. And I took him because we broadcasted a basketball game because my, my broadcasting program at school, we did first basketball game of the year, had fun. He was fine. Came home, coughed up until he threw up. Ugh. And the wife said, hey, I'm going to take him to the doctor. So I said, okay. And then she texted me back. He has pneumonia. And I came home yeah, and I let him crawl into bed with me and he threw up again. So kids, I was rarely, like, yeah. kids rarely show that they have pneumonia until they get to that point. He's still, we went to practice tonight, but he didn't practice. He just got his picture day. He got his picture taken. I'm like, it's time to go home. And I turn around and he's wrestling his friends. I'm like, no, <laughs> you're sick. You're going home right now. Okay. Come on. So he was like, yeah. fine, fine. He's, he, he's now known as patient zero. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's a pneumonia. So like he was walking around with the rhinovirus for a month beforehand. Yeah. Pneumonia, like bacterial pneumonia is not transmissible, really. It's no. whatever causes that. To, Which in this case virus. was rhinovirus. So yeah. there's some, I wasn't surprised. Well, I was surprised, but I knew where it came from. It's got some friends that are nurses and it's got them advice. And that's what it is. Other than that, I'm just getting, like I said, I was hanging out with the kid yesterday and I was doing my grad school finals, getting ready for finals for school. And then I got my own finals yeah. the next week. And it's, uh, there's a lot going on. And last night I'm sitting there and working. And I'm watching him, and I'm working on my final, and I start, I start hearing the music going through my head, right? I'm hearing like oh, Jesus. that rhythm, <laughs> and I, all of a sudden it just pops in my head, just a steel town girl on a Saturday night, getting ready for the fight of her life. And I stopped and like, why the fuck am I singing Maniac to myself while I work? Apparently, I thought I was from Flashdance. I don't know. <laughs> At least it wasn't the never-ending story again. <laughs> it could be. Turn around. Hello, Kassan Warren. Oh. Hi, Kassan. We'll make him stop singing as soon as you let us know that it's the pain starts. <laughs> In her face. I can't wait to talk about this film. Oh, my God. I love this song. I love this movie. I just thank you. There was nothing else going on. Dave fought me for weeks on this. I finally relented because nothing happened this week. No, How are you? Nothing is significant. Nothing I have a good idea for our next one, but I uh, like I said, I got a cold indoor, huh? Nothing. Oh, god, it's a deep cut for someone. Uh, and and uh, I got the like... of my Christmas shopping done, so I'm happy about that. And uh, my son was easy, he wanted a new phone, but got team, taken care of. Team blue text or team green text? Oh, what a stupid thing that is for Samsung Galaxy S23. Set. Yep, Android all the way. The XL, I guess it is. That's the larger one. So it's like a phablet. He wanted because he does a lot of art, and he wants. He has an idea. He wants to be able to draw it on his phone and whatnot. And it comes with a stylus and all that stuff. He looked at iPhones, and they don't have ones that work with styluses. No, they really don't. The stylus, <laughs> Apple's really fought that whole thing the whole way. Yeah. They really don't want you doing that. I do have a kid in one of my classes though who's got an iPad with a stylus that works for yeah. it. She does pretty cool stuff, so it works. Yeah, but he, he's not going to make phone calls on the iPad. You could make phone calls on that. You can, but... I don't know uh, why you would, but you could. <laughs> S S23 Ultra, I just got the same for my wife last week. Yes, thank you, Kassan. It's Ultra. Edens. Nice. All of you. Edens. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't get the people complain about the text. I Now I have an iPhone, but I still, like, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I don't really care. <laughs> Philistine. You'll have to explain it to me. I don't get well, it's why. Part of the text messages, the iMessage. Like if you send pictures, like if you have a group thread, right, and you've got one person in the group thread who's on the Android, and you try to send pictures or videos between you guys, it doesn't come the same. I don't have right? group threads with people though on my phone. Oh, 
<laughs> Red Mark, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I got. I give up. Green bubbles. There you go. Thank you, soil yep. wizard. Disgusting. Yep. Um, I do. I no, aesthetically, do. aesthetically, it's disgusting. Thank you. Oh, that's, that's the point. That's the whole point. Exactly. And it mm. works psychologically. <laughs> My daughter even said something about that too, because she's an iPhone person. She said something mm-hmm. about, "Oh, yay! Now you'll be blue text." I'm like, "What does that mean? I don't get it." <laughs> this doesn't look good in your text. You got all these blue texts. You got this one green one. Like aesthetically, it's not pleasing. It means you brought the right phone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's that was my week. Nothing too exciting. Watched a old movie, questioned my life choices, and uh... <laughs> got sad about a horse dying again. Oh my god! I remembering childhood drama. JD, it's only because it's only green bubbles from the iPhone. For the Android device, it's all blue. But you know, people don't matter. Look behind me; it's all blue. <laughs> We I say that for you people on the podcast, for the people listening to this on podcast, my video, my video has a blue background. All right. I'm an iPhone guy, and blue is aesthetically pleasing. The other thing is, I did not do I between not feeling well and getting stuff ready for Christmas and all that stuff. I haven't been on social media much. Yeah, I, I do have a couple things for social media madness. First off, okay, remember last week we talked about Chris Evans saying. Um, he would be up to return. Like, no one's talked to him, but he would be up to returning for the role. Right. Yeah, I did. You know. Nope. So, yeah, we had a couple people comment on that. The first one, of course, being Random Randy Savage from Colt mm-hmm. 45. He said, what? You mean Steve Rogers and the return of the Stones is not even an idea floating around? The adventures of Steve returning the Stones to, to the timeline? Fighting Red Guardian? Hoping Isaiah Bradley? Oh, helping Isaiah Bradley, but then wiping his memory? Fighting space aliens with Quake and AOS. Agents of Shield. Oh, Agents of Shield. Um, Agents of Shield. I did for a little bit, and then it got a little crazy. Randy does. He still loves. They stop caring. So he said Steve Rogers going back in time with the Stones, and I immediately thought he meant the Rolling Stones, (laughs) and imagined Steve Rogers traveling with Mick. Everyone, everyone talks about that, like. He leaves with the stones, and then he just shows up as an old person at the end. There's a lot what? of there's a lot of ground to cover there. There is a lot yeah. of ground to cover for Steve Rogers, like you. A huge story. Yeah, he leaves and... super handsome and comes back Joe Biden. There's a lot that went out <laughs> in between there. Oh, <laughs> tell me he doesn't look like Joe Biden. Okay, wait, that's too close. It's not a political that statement. Is... That's what he looks like. It's too. No, close it is. To... I... It's too yeah. close. To <clears throat> what are you doing? We don't do that here. The man looked like Joe Biden in the scene. Old man Chris Evans looked kind of like Joe Biden. Turns that, that wasn't political. That was just just an observation. Facts, I remember being, <laughs> I was in the theater going, "Looks like Joe Biden." And then we had MVP Steph Sab chime in. Not going on there. I'm, I'm sorry. She says he actually said that he isn't interested right now, but he, he but that if he did it, that it would need to be something very special because it's very protective of the character. Actually, I could hear her pushing her glasses up as she typed that. <laughs> Actually, no, I, but those are the people that usually have, well, usually know what they're talking about. Because it's usually you. <laughs> yeah, this is true. By the way, You're check your email. I just sent you all the notes I have on Never Ending Story, the movie. I did some would, research on this one. Why would you do that? Why would you send me notes, assuming I would read them? <laughs> Yeah, wait, you don't read anything we said you. 
Why should we reach that? Yeah, this that? is what I'm talking about. John never reads the notes for the show. This it's is just, just FYI. I, I didn't. You, you don't have to read any one. All right. <sighs> the other thing I wanted to bring up related to social media. I saw this about a hundred times this week on Facebook and other places. They keep sharing this image. John Cassidy variant Golly. cover for X Force number forty-eight. Oh my God! What is wrong with that? <laughs> how, does that how does that cover look? <laughs> What's wrong with that? Oh. Kind of good. Good, bad. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. From the from the mouths of babes, <laughs> that is so beneath John Cassidy. All I could think is, did he? Honest to God, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to like make light of it. I first thought was, did he have a stroke or something? Because it looks so not like his work. Yeah. Or did he let his son do it? With six-year-old <laughs> son? Like, I imagine a six-year-old Cassidy child could probably draw like that. And it would look great. But it doesn't look like his stuff. I'm serious. Did something happen? That doesn't that look don't... like a professional job at all. That looks like let something John, see on... Let alone John Cassidy. Yeah, that be div- that looks like deviant art. I mean... It's not, I don't I mean, know what the story is. All I keep is seeing people... Now that you've said it, I'm going to look it up. I keep people seeing sharing it, and then they're using that as like this is the state of modern comics. But are you sure that's not a meme that somebody put together? And that's no, you, you look it up. That is the actual cover. Holy! I crap. can't believe Marvel editorials. Yes, go with this. Like it's not on their website, and I, that is something I wanted to bring up. Okay, maybe it isn't then. Is that? Oh, John left, or he's blowing his nose and doesn't want the show on camera. I'll pick my that nose one. On camera. <laughs> Sorry. So here's something I wanted to point out about variant covers is it's a little known secret from Marvel. I don't know if DC does it, but Marvel definitely does it is John is striking over the cover. Anyone could do a variant cover. Did you know that? What? What do you mean? If, if JD wanted to create a variant cover for an issue for Marvel, all he's got to do is pay for the run. So if he wants to do a run of 500 with his own artwork, you can do that now with Marvel. That doesn't seem right because there would be a lot of people that'd be willing to do that. And there are a lot of people that do that. If you go to a comic shop and they have an exclusive variant, usually what they do is they'll hire out an artist that they like to do a and cover. Do, hmm. And they'll do their own run. Okay. Okay. I, the only people I've known that have done this are artists who have actually worked for Marvel in the past. But and yeah, have 500 like, bucks. That brings the bar way down. <laughs> that's more than 500 bucks. I don't know what it costs to run. And it, you're you dude, it's a lot more than 500 bucks. So you're talking about a run yeah. of 500. And Marvel makes up because they're not paying they're not paying for the production and they count it as sales. So it's five hundred copies of whatever, let's say Amazing Spider-Man or X Force forty eight that they, they count that as part of the run, as part of the I sales. gather the person that did the run doesn't get anything and that's well, the they, only way they whatever they sell the books for at that they sell the books oh, okay. for. Because usually the idea of paying for a run is you have created a collector's item because all varying covers yeah. are is like trying to create scarcity. Right, yep. so especially when you pay for some game. Hey, I'm going to get John Cassidy, one of the greatest X Men artists in history, to do a special cut. Co- Rob Liefeld's looking at that, going, "Ooh." <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love John Cassidy. Planetary is one of my all-time favorite comics. Right, he's amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, his run on Astonishing X Men with Weed with he who shall not be named was just really great comics what a great run on x-men and his art yeah. is major are you gonna be a sorry the dog is being a wacko in here this is just not that good frosty it's mm. up it's not no. it's not it's beneath him that's why i'm ser- i'm serious did something happen 
to John Cassidy. I guess we'll know soon, right? Cause yeah, I can't. I don't see anything. Like if he continues working like this. I just, it's so wild what that looks like. Or was it? Did someone ask him to do it and he didn't really want to do it? Dude, no, I don't even believe John Cassidy could fart out something that clearly. I don't know. Some there's. I feel like there's something here that's not adding up. Yeah, because yeah, that because he's always had a style of his own, but that's not it. I don't know, man. It's wild. It's very wild, and looks like Frank Miller more than John Cassidy. Not even like even Frank Miller stuff is better proportioned. It doesn't seem it will now like modern Frank Miller. Like I'm not talking about oh, 1982. Well, true. I don't huh. know, man. I don't know. Something there is a story behind this cover, and I feel like there's more to it than we see. I agree. I do agree with that. But it's I do think people need because that's obviously not the main cover for the the, the, okay. the issue. It's actually the main cover is reminiscent of the giant size X Men, but it's a beast breaking through. What's this um, the beast? the beast story because beast has been my buddy jeremy feinstone i'm not sure if you listen genna has been giving me the update on what's happening next verse the beast is basically goebbels holy crap they really mm-hmm. turned him didn't they beast is people were like is he dark i asked you it's got to be dark beast now right and he's like, oh hank mccoy lost it and they're hinting that they're going to bring back an earlier version of hank because this one is too far gone so that's what's going on in the X universe now. I kind of uh, regret that I'm not reading the X books because they do sound like since Hickman took them over back what three years ago, sounds yeah. like they've all been pretty dang good. So I, I should really, I should rectify that somewhere. Don's going, yes, JD, fix that. Read X Men, hmm. and somewhere Ray, uh, Ray's going, no, don't read. <laughs> Ray will just yell at me specifically. I'll get a DM tomorrow going, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's interesting. The other thing, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this or not, but I keep seeing this over and over again. I keep hearing this. I see it on social media. I've heard it on a couple of podcasts that I listen to. Like they're saying the MCU is dead. If they use, if they use what if or secret wars to reboot it, then technically it is dead. I don't think the MCU. So, okay. I'm listening to this MCU history book. That just came out last month. It's a phenomenal read. Uh, For the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the author, but the audio book is really good. And they make it pretty clear multiple times that Kevin Feige is aghast to the idea of a reboot. Hmm. Okay. So I would be surprised because, again, because the work we've done doesn't count. I get that that mentality, but it's funny because obviously everyone's pointing to the failure of the Marvels as, oh, this is it. That's the sign. The MCU's dead. But is it like, like, first off, I know John is going to jump right in on this one, but a lot of people did not like Captain Marvel, right? Like it made money, but they didn't like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. There's a lot of criticism of that. The story could, it could have been written better. Right, because they didn't really use Brie Larson for what she's really good for. She didn't, they didn't really show most, most of you know her personality. But yeah, like the thing about Brie Larson is that's total. You want to run that thing about not talking about politics? That's a Brie Larson. Well, it's, good God, it's, y'all, what's she good for? Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, John, it popped in my head. I do not feel that not, way. But. No, and the thing is, again. So I've even said she was much better in this movie she than she was in, in, in anything she yep. has yeah. been as Captain Marvel since or before. But like the other thing is, and we we pointed this out, the other two main characters were introduced in shows. Not everyone watched the Disney Plus shows, but 
they act like you should have, and there's a high um, level of entry to, to get to it. Like, it failed for a lot of reasons other than it wasn't a good movie or anything like that. Movies and, don't fail because they're good or bad. They don't. Yeah. You can't tell if a movie is good or bad if you don't go to see it. Right. So, and that's the problem and, with the Marvels. People didn't go to see it. That's the critics' the things- scores were pretty good. The editing scores were pretty good. The audience was like, I don't want to see this. And I that's more on Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's more on all the D, the glut of DC movies that failed. We all loved Blue Beetle. Thor 3, Love and Thunder. Thor 3, was, four, yeah. Thor 4. Thor 4. Thor 4. Thor 4. Yeah, no, that that's what that started to really kill people. because People, you know, the Guardians always existed outside the MCU bubble, right? The Guardians yeah. always did its own thing. But like this year, if you could, if the Marvels was the one that failed, I'd be like, yeah, okay. But everything has failed this year. Everything yeah. not named Oppen Barbie. And is a failure. And that's what takes me off is that the one podcast that I was watching and they're talking about it and the host who's saying, oh, yeah, it's dead, blah, blah. And they turn to him and they go, they turn to him and they go, did you see the Marvels? And he went, no. And, it's a, and that's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I think it's I do think a lot of the people who are saying it are people who just don't like Disney or Marvel for whatever reason. People go to see a movie based on the trust accumulated from previous productions. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's also the problem, right? But, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Anne's right, but, but that's the whole thing. But you can't say a movie failed if you haven't seen it. And the, again, the thing with Brie Larson, she's won Academy Awards, British Academy Film Awards, Primetime Emmy Awards, Golden Globe Awards, Screen Actors Guild Award. She is a good actress. I don't know what this freaking incel hate is against her or whatever, but you know, that, that part of it pisses me off too. It's all part of the whole of the... Superhero fatigue, this weird thing about Brie Larson, I don't, and I don't know, I don't, and all I the other part, all the other parts that have come together to just basically take the MCU train and and stop in its tracks. The MCU has sucked since Endgame, with the rare exceptions of Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider Man. No, to it hasn't. No, I think Loki was good. Wanda Vision uh, was really good. I, here's, I think the real problem is that we have so much product now. Nothing feels special, and no one is a star. We talk about this in wrestling all the time. If everyone is a star, no one is a star. Yeah. So yeah, like when Spider-Man came out, people went, oh shit, I have to go see Spider-Man. Across the Spider-Verse came out here and America went, oh, I got to go see Across mm-hmm. the Spider-Verse. Because I'm sorry, I know this, I know listening to this book, Kevin Feige has been trying to make the C and D list characters mean something. And the fact that Guardians was such a huge hit showed them that they could do it. But then the Eternals came out. And the Eternals came out and it just, it just worked. And it's more of a testament to James Gunn than yeah. anything else. Like, yeah, it's just, the Eternals was completely mishandled. Yeah. There's no but way again, you're going to introduce yeah, it, but it. Like JD keeps saying it's ass anyway. Like the Eternals suck and you can't introduce 10 freaking new characters and make people care about them in a short movie like that. You need more time. And the other thing is up to Endgame, every movie was building on the other movies that came before it. It was all building towards something. And we know, and I remember like us talking about the fact that the director of the director of what was it? Which was the movie where Thor took the bath? Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. So I know that they were shoehorning things like that in, but again, they were making it all build up to infinity war and Endgame. These it's like, they're just taking a shotgun and just shooting it in every direction. Brandy's here. 
Randy says, shame we can't introduce a character in a TV show hours long to give them time. Yeah, if they did one or two of them, it'd be fine. But then it becomes homework. Most of them are bloated movies. Miss Marvel could have been a really good movie. Instead, yeah. they give us eight hours of TV. And then they give us six hours of Loki. And they give us four hours or eight hours of Moon Knight. It's just too much, man. It's just too much. And that's what happens is when, you have, when you're at like the old country buffet. There's only so much you can put on your plate before you're full, despite wanting the rest of the stuff that's there. You look and you go, I think I'm done. Here's the other thing. I think let's use the old country buffet as the as the analogy here. And shouldn't it be like the movies are choices on the buffet? Maybe Moon Knight's broccoli. Maybe Miss Marvel is turkey. Maybe WandaVision is stuffing and cranberry sauce. Like not everyone's going to want broccoli. Not everyone's going to want Brussels sprouts. Not everyone's going to want cranberry and stuffing. But, like, you should be able to enjoy what you enjoy and not have to worry about the other stuff on the buffet. Yeah, but here's the problem is Iron Man was the cinnamon roll, which is what everybody likes. Yeah. And they're all cinnamon. out of cinnamon. It was a cinnamon roll, yeah. Cinnamon. The cinnamon <laughs> bun that everybody loved, and they're all gone. Yeah. So you go yeah. look for Captain America, which was, like, the steak. Now ah, we're all out of steak. What if I go and look for the Hulk? What's the Hulk on? So that's like chicken. Uh, we got some chicken left, but we don't got a lot of it. But we got plenty of broccoli. <laughs> and the salad bar is wide open. And we still have plenty of russet potatoes. That would be Miss Marble. That'd be Captain Marble. Like the same thing. <laughs> we have all the accoutrements, but we don't have the main event. We don't have the lead topic. I'm sorry. There's a reason why. Captain America, I know they were considered B-list characters before the movies count, but Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, these were books that were constantly published from the 60s to now. There's a reason for them. These are Marvel's A-listers. And very rarely have characters transcended that. The X-Men were lucky, right? The X-Men became big without being a stand. Like, the X-Men were a stand creation, but the X-Men we all know and love is not Stan Lee's X-Men, right? That's an exception that proves the but that's so what you're other- saying is all we're getting is a moose bouche and not the main course. Yes. <laughs> but the thing is with the X-Men, it's you're right. It is the rare exception. It was the re the shakeup in the seventies is when they really t- took off as people loved the book. Yeah. So, yeah. And it took years. Like Chris yeah. Claremont got on the book in 76 and people, it wasn't until 81 people were like, Hey, this book's really good. Yeah. And they let him just do and this thing. It's also why we didn't get a cartoon till the nineties. They did a pilot in the Pride 80s, Pride of the X-Men. Yeah, I just watched the Secret Galaxy, yeah, did a whole uh, episode on it. And it was like, yeah, but like people just didn't want it then. But then the 90s came around and everyone loved right Wolverine. Place. Right. Yeah, that's a big part of it too is Wolverine became the breakout character of the 1980s. Yeah. And then his team, and then again, Chris Claremont. Like the X-Men was the book, right? Like you either read, in the early 80s, you either read X-Men or you read Teen Titans. And right? yet Those no one... The books, and yet no one knows why in the early cartoons he had an Australian cop accent. <laughs> Nobody has a freaking clue. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> by the time they made it to the, by the time the X Men do make it to the small screen, it's the X Men. Yes, like it's very much the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont X Men from the Blue and Gold era. Yep, and they just so, steer right into the fact that hey, this is the X Men. Here's the Hellfire Club. Here's Magneto. Here's Dark Phoenix Saga. Here are the Shi'ar. They, unab- they unabashedly did the X-Men. Like, and that, but that means something. Like, we have so much of Marvel. I know Kevin Feige believes in just about everything they do, but I don't know. I don't think I care about a lot of these things. Yeah. He's got to get more focused. 
Like, he has to really yeah. start to focus so, down. So, Kassan says what they need to do is what Netflix started, street-level heroes on the for the shows, powerful superheroes for the big screen. I thought, like, when they said they were going to start doing shows again, they were going to do something like that. The stories on the streaming would be important, but they wouldn't be like, oh, you needed to see this to understand how it fits in with everything else. But now nah, they said, screw that. These are many movies that we're putting on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I think Marvel TV worked better when it was a little bit separate. Yeah. I know there was this big divide with what Jeff Loeb was doing and what Kevin Feige was doing. And they weren't all great, but like Daredevil was really good. Jessica Jones was really good. We loved Luke Cage. We, I remember we reviewed Defenders and we were all like, eh. And we reviewed Power Man and we, or Iron Fist and we were all like, Ugh. Oh, God, like, yeah. Like, that's right and then Luke Cage ends on a cliffhanger. Luke Cage ends wow. on a cliffhanger that we'll never have the solution to. Yep. So those were good shows. And then just pretend like they didn't happen, even though they're Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio were back, which is weird. But yeah, I don't know. Those were, yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I think they're so scattershot right now. They've really, and it doesn't help that they've been trying to build this Kang thing, but not really. Like when Thanos yeah. showed up, when Thanos showed up, we all knew what was coming. Yeah. We all knew what was coming. We all knew the Infinity Gauntlet was coming. We knew it. What's coming with Kang? Uh, Avengers Forever? Kang? What are we getting? Kang's never been like that great of a character. Not, not only that, we get, oh, look, they're building the Dark Avengers. Oh, look. Now they're building the Young Avengers. Oh, look, nothing yeah, has direction. Like, where are we going with this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's not focused anymore. Kassan says, I think what isn't being said, that stories make characters. That's why the X-Men thrive in the United Great stories. What's on the great story? No, I agree 100%. There's not great, yeah. there's not great stories. And I, I think great characters also make for great stories. They don't think that, as much as I love Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, and she's great, that story sucked quite frankly. I enjoyed the character interaction. That kind of made it. But, like, the villain was very weak. It's a fun movie, but it's very frivolous. Nothing it, counts. It could have been better, it's better than the it, others, but it's not... It, yeah, it's better it, than the like, others. Like, they, it, it also feels, it's also one of those that feels like they kept changing direction while they were filming. Because, what, suddenly the main villain gets disintegrated so, in really bad CGI. It's funny I to mean, talk about that, John, but that's, like, what Marvel has always done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They've always yeah. been making massive changes to movies while they were making them. Yeah, they they worked for so long that they did it wrong, and now well, it finally caught up to them. They yeah, call like, it the Marvel I, I method think, of making movies. Yeah, but I think it only worked because we had a few movies coming out each year, and they were all building towards something. Now that they're going in all these directions, you can't keep that straight. And, and they also had stars. You had Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Chris Evans is a star. Like these guys were star or like they're making stars. Chadwick Boseman, if he was still alive, would be a massive star at this point. Oh, hell yeah. He'd be like Tom Holland is knocking on the door of becoming a big star. Like we don't have that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like it just, there's a sense. There's just something missing. Again, when you take all the main players off the table, what are you left with? And it's funny, right? Because I think John brings up a good point in the sense of like, when you make a movie where it's, you have an outline, you leave a lot of uh, room at the end for reshoots because you might change ideas as you're making the movie. It's like kids playing. It is. And let's be honest, how many times have you watched a group of kids playing and it like they have an idea when they start, whatever they're doing, and then it just falls apart towards the end? I look at Stephen, again, I'm, I hear him do this again. 
Stephen King's a very famous pantser, right? He has an idea for a book. He sits down and he writes the book. He doesn't put an outline together. Uh, when he hits, he gets it, right? Yeah. A seminal mm-hmm. classic of horror. When he doesn't, you, you get Dreamcatcher. Nightwalkers. Or... <laughs> Sleepwalkers? Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers, yeah. Sleepwalkers, Sleepwalkers. yeah. That was just a movie. That's a messed up movie, though. But like <laughs> trucks and our maximum overdrive. Like when he's oh, on, God. you get the shining. When he's off, like that's and again he's like that he's like ah sometimes it doesn't work he's very frank about his work but it, it when you're just a dude sitting writing a book that people are going to buy anyway who cares if you have a couple bad ones like you're going to have a couple stinkers everyone does right with marvel they just did and it worked for so long it worked in all honesty this should not have worked like listening to this book and listening to the way they put movies together but they really don't have scripts and the writers are creating these movies and a lot of movies like that today but with marvel it's we're at act three now we should probably change everything. Like they do this all the time and it's always worked until mm. recently. Yeah. But you know what? I also feel like guardians of the galaxy. You said is outside of that. I don't think mm-hmm. James Gunn works that way. He's talked about that. He does not. He comes up with the set list of the songs he wants to use. And, and it's based around the emotions of the scene and where he wants to go with the story. Okay. So what's Gunn doing now? He's working for DC. Because <laughs> it didn't work. Like it worked when it shouldn't have worked. Right. Like it, the right. first movie, they, the, okay, this is interesting. In this book, they talk about how in the first movie, the Marvel Creative Committee, which is basically Alan Fine and, and Ike Perlmutter, left him alone because they wanted to prove to Kevin Feige that these ideas are stupid. They wanted it, they let they were going to let it be their first failure. Oh my so they God. left James Gunn alone to make his movie. <laughs> they fought him on the soundtrack stuff. And then it was actually Whedon and Feige fought to keep it because it was such a part of the movie. Yeah, He's the only guy who really got to implant his vision on the Marvel movies post-Iron Man 2. Or post, yeah, post-Iron Man 2. Because it slipped through the cracks. And mm-hmm. then on 2, they started fucking with it. And then he got... They had, they had the whole kerfuffle with him. And they basically let him do his third movie as a mea culpa. He's had a very different experience than just about everyone else has. And... What does it also show you that they didn't learn their lesson? No. Like, they should have said, hey, we need another James Gunn to come in and make a movie that's going to blow everyone away. They don't want that. They want TV. They want, It's so funny. They run their film studio like a TV studio, right? They just bring yeah. in guys to make movies. They don't bring in auteurs. Like, they want the, like, Feige wants to be the voice that shapes all this stuff. And he hires writers. Like, it's like comics, right? Like, he's yeah. the editor in chief. Like, he's like Shooter. Or he's the guy who's deciding what things are going to be. And he hires the artists and he hires the writers to plan do that thing. Right. It's not, it's not like letting Sam Raimi just make his version of Spider-Man. Right. right. Or and letting you're, Richard Donner do super. You're back, Tim you're back to no one person can manage all of it. Not with the, as many movies as it has now. And that's, it's funny because Sam Raimi is another great example. As soon as the studio stepped in and said, we want you to do this and this. He's like, all right, I'm out. And yeah. he left. He didn't want to do them anymore. He, they got him in to do Multiverse of Madness, and he was just like, yep, I did that, and then doesn't really talk a lot about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because very clearly, there's a lot of studio interference going on there. And that's the first time we saw Marvel's head doesn't know what the tale is doing. Because Multiverse of Madness and WandaVision are very different projects that right. have, involve the same story. Yeah. Basically, like, why yeah. Is, and why is and that? No, one is, I don't know... <sighs> Like Wanda becoming the villain. Wanda doesn't become the villain of WandaVision. Wanda just no. becomes 
Wanda comes to her senses before she becomes the villain, and right. then by the time Doctor Strange is she's like, "Oh no, I'm the villain!" <laughs> it, yeah. Like it really it didn't make it. Happen. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. It doesn't, but that's what they wanted. That's where they wanted her for that. But there's no. Oftentimes, the right hand and the left hand it, don't know what they're doing at Mark. James Gunn is a highly competent writer. I love this. This was great. Peacemaker. Yeah, those were both good. And Guardian 3. His way of planning movies works 100%. Yeah. That's why he's um, doing it for deep now. And that's always one of my big issues with event books. And I've talked about this before, where they need a character to do something. So he acts out of character how he normally does. Or something all of a sudden is different about the character. Civil so War. it's in the story. Yeah, in Marvel Civil War is a great example of a lot of characters acting Every, out of character. Everybody's acting out of character, but Mark Miller wrote it, so we all had to pretend like it was great. She became, she became the villain off screen. Randy, that shits on the entire project, though. If you're going to do the thing off screen or in a post credit sequence, which are not direct, which were not created by the people that were making it, Sam Raimi shot that post credit sequence. It spits in the face of the story they were telling. Yeah. And, and the audience isn't going to follow it. They, they, the and, and that's what happened. If you, have to get from a, if you have to get from A to D, you have to hit B and C. You can't just go A, D. Like, we have to see the journey. She should have ended She should have ended WandaVision in a dark place. They're like, oh, shit, we need to fix this. Instead, she came to this realization moment of how powerful she was and was like, okay, I can. I'm going to manage this. And yeah. we don't see her slip Jean Grey style with the Dark Phoenix. She's just crazy. But the next mm-hmm. time we see her, yeah, so it doesn't work. Like and not just crazy, he, Sam Raimi crazy, <laughs> which is really crazy. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just it doesn't work. It just doesn't. Such a dark work. character. By the time we get there, yeah. And, she, and you know who didn't like that? Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, and which, she's right. Yeah, she deserves a redemption arc. So. Which I think is the plan, but she might not get that opportunity because she said it. And Feige doesn't like people talk ill of the House of Ideas. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I think we'll talk about that stuff a little bit in the news. Oh, wow, we're 45 minutes in. We should move. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to add one thing to the news, too, when we get to this. Oh, of course you do. Just a, All right. in the middle. Well, if you want to know how you can follow us and learn more about Superhero Speak and follow some other great podcasts, Here's our good friend, John, to tell you more. Enjoying the show? Do you want to be part of social media madness? Well, go ahead and head on over to SuperheroSpeak.com. You'll find all the links you need, episodes of the show, comic reviews by Chris, and other articles. We're posting stuff on there all the time. And while you're there, you can also check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. Great shows like the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, baby, So Wizard Podcast, Fans on Patrol, The Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Hashtag GW All-Stars, and you're not going to be disappointed. Make sure that you are commenting on our Twitter articles. Could be a poignant comment, could be a stupid one. Either way, gives you a chance for Dave to possibly mispronounce your Twitter handle. Alright, I've rambled on enough. Let's head back to Dave and the Gents on Superhero Speak. That's my favorite one. Of course it is, because it's not making fun of you. Um, That's right. <laughs> uh, Don actually did message me this oh. week, said that his basement is almost complete, and uh, he can't wait to like do something with us again. So I awesome. miss Don. He said he loves you guys. Love that guy, too. He's good people. He, he loves you and man. me. John, he's a little iffy. No. <laughs> no I, 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 yeah, per- perfectly. <laughs> 
All right. Well, on that note, let's take a quick commercial break. Let's see how many shades of red John can turn. Oh, boy. Some podcasts are like this. Are there bloopers in Funny stuff happens on set all the time. Do they ever make videos of that? Yeah, sometimes. I feel like they should. I feel like fans would really like that. I keep most of my bloopers in my only scenes. What I keep in is the banter. Like, just the kinds of funny things that we say to each other Mm. in between like positions mm-hmm. or whatever. This funny thing happened the other day, actually, where I was Damien Dysky. He was like, are you working tomorrow? And I cracked up laughing because I was like, oh, he's about to f- me so oh. hard. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. He's about to rail me. Okay, that's hot, though. Was yeah. he just considerate? Okay. He's got almost like a dread-styled t- oh. He'll f- you really hard. But just the way he said it, I thought that's so funny. My answer was, we'll see. <laughs> And some podcasts are like this. They get new fish from you. Notice this on menus. So down they mahi mahi. Where's that been, dude? Go read Moby Dick. See how many mahi mahis they got in that sucker. She bro. I'm somewhere the other day, and the guys. Oh, we got line caught barramundi, dude. I don't give a fuck how you convince that thing to swim over here. I don't care if you poured nicotine in the water for a couple years and slowly got them addicted. And barramundi, I never heard of that. Give me a real fish people have heard of. Catfish. Swedish fish. It's a candy, but everybody's heard of it. Trout. Fuck. Tuna fish. I'm just sick of some of this fake fish shit. Every Oh, we got butterfish. We got whitefish. What the f- What are you talking about? Where'd you get it? You got an email from the Lord and they said, oh, they, we releasing two new types of fish. Like it's a new shoe. But only one podcast is where you can get in-depth analysis like this. When I was younger, this guy was definitely a villain to me. As I'm older now, <laughs> it's hard to be like, yeah, Hammond, you spent, you spent $23 billion making Jurassic Park. You could not spare more money, a million dollars a year for this guy's loyalty. You spent 150000 just to have these two people show up for a weekend. You couldn't spend $1 million. On one-third of your infrastructure. On one-third of your infrastructure <laughs> and data control. What the? The only reason he's a villain because he's sloppy. It's Newman. Like, they'll True. never feel bad for him. That's what they did. That's, That's what, what it was. They did. If it was anybody else, if it was Idris Elba, or Matthew McConaughey. Fuck, if it had been Michael Sarah, I'd have mm-hmm. still been, <laughs> been like. You are now listening to Cult 45. This is Beat 'em Down. And I'm Random Randy Savage. Find us on all your podcatching apps like Podbean or Spotify. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or just go to www.cult45podcast.com. Also, check out our YouTube for that sweet video content. Cult 45, the only podcast that puts hair on your chest. So for the first, we've seen them a couple of commercials a couple of times. The first time I noticed that they, the, uh, what do you call a thing, Dave, where they have the AI that, trans, that, that puts the captions on? What is that called? Because you've done uh, our videos. Yeah, I, but I use a service called Clippy, I think. I think they probably use the same one to create that. But anyways, okay. the Clippy accidentally translated porn as corn. Corn, If you yeah. notice. It's the first time I noticed that. So I actually heard, are there any bloopers in corn? And it's really so funny it, when you think about that. So it was trained on Stephen King, basically. Children of them, yes. <laughs> I, I sent Randy, I sent Randy a clip to use in the next ad, so hopefully we'll Guys, get that too. Theo Vaughn's not funny. <laughs> <laughs>
No. Like he's an overrated comedian. Like I every time I hear him, people like rave about this guy and I sit and listen, but I'm like, Is that the Mahi it? guy? Mahi guy. Yeah, uh, he's playing a character and it's just he's like playing a character and it's just like, it sounds like you're listening to somebody who's just brain damaged. I just yeah. like a dude who smoked half his brain away. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Ah, Randy says probably done on purpose to avoid getting a ding from TT. What is T? What's T? question. I don't know. I don't know in that context. Titanic tits. Titanic. Did you just word Titanic? TikTok. Okay. That makes perfect sense. We're abbreviating TikTok because there's too many letters in TikTok. Oh, <laughs> oh TikTok. Okay. All right. All right. Turn right. around. Yeah. No, we got news. We got a little news mm-hmm. first. Can I insert a few things? Just lead-ins. That's what she stuff? said before the before the okay, podcast. Okay. Look, just yeah. I, I threw a few things in the host lounge, Dave. I don't, I, think you, I don't think you found them. I'm sorry. We're making dirty jokes, Chad. Please start again. Uh, I know. Uh, in no, I, I found them. I don't want to talk about the one. No, I know you don't have to talk about the one. <laughs> I, but there are some things that we keep talking about, the streaming services and the streaming wars. And oh, yeah, that. yeah, and yeah. This, yeah, yeah. That and this goes towards that. So I'll just mention a few things, and then we can like discuss if you want. But we'll move on to the rest, But because I know we've got a bunch of other things first. But Amazon in 2024, Amazon's going to charge you an extra three bucks a month to not have advertisements inserted in a lot of their video content. So, I'm lazy enough to, to not pay three bucks a month to watch commercials. Yeah, I it just... But the thing is, you are getting that content without advertising now, and then soon you will have advertising inserted into it. I don't understand. And YouTube YouTube did something like that, and, you, and YouTube hate, people hated Permission it. to speak, frankly. Who fucking, okay, cares? Frank. Who fucking cares about advertising? We are children of the... You guys children of the 70s, myself child of the 80s. We grew up with commercials on our TV True. shows. Why do we act like they're drilling holes into our faces because we have to watch commercials? Who okay. cares? Why do we care? I don't care. Are you guys ready for a very controversial statement that's true? Lay it on me. Mm-hmm. Social media. Porn? No, it's not about porn. Oh, okay. When it comes to social media and TV and now streaming, because it's going to change, we're not the customer. The advertisers are. Oh, we're the product. Yeah, absolutely. People it don't get 100%. that. No, people don't get that. Way. They're like, I don't like ads. It's, it doesn't matter. They, the ads they don't pay for service. everything. Uh, yes. Yeah. Ads have paid for everything since 1946. Yep. Look, look at look at all the cartoons that were made in the in the early 80s before they wrote rules about not making yeah. cartoons that were <laughs> just big ads. Just ads. A lot of just cartoons are just ads for the toys. Yep. 22 mm. minute ads to sell you a toy. Then work. Yeah. We our entire generation worships like. But back in our day, back, going to what JD you're saying. Back in our day, we got free TV for free. You just needed an antenna or, or sometimes you paid for cable. But the thing is that all the video you saw, all the TV you saw was free. And it was free because they had ads in it. The, even if you paid for cable, the only yep. thing that didn't have commercials was HBO. And you had to pay yep. extra for that. And now yep. HBO has HBO commercials. Like... It doesn't yeah. matter. Kassan says, I can tell you from a parenting point of view, parents don't want kids exposed to certain ads containing images they don't agree with, but products they don't want to buy. I get that. You yeah. mean Fred Flintstone telling but you how good cigarettes are? <laughs> that was in the 60s. And to be fair, the Flintstones was a started as a primetime television program, much like the Simpsons. Yeah. So that's yeah. different. But this is the thing. It's like ads are part of what's going on. Otherwise, you can have your kids watch PBS. This is just the, this is the, this is what I don't get. This is the world we've always lived in. 
I yeah, paid but, for cable, but I watched TBS and I got tons of commercials. It was just part of life. I don't understand why people get, oh my God, like commercials. They used to have governing bodies that said Saturday morning cartoons, you can't show ads for douches or But it's not just, it's, but it, you also want to target. You're not going to, you're not going to advertise douches on Saturday mornings because a six year old says, hey mama, do I have, do I need a douche? It just doesn't happen. Like but, you but, need to but, sell toys. <laughs> But Dave, Dave and I worked for an advertising company, and if I remember correctly, you tried to be accurate, but sometimes you weren't, and that's the problem with well, the current and, infrastructure. Well, that's nowadays. the thing too, because like part of what might meet my comment about where the product, all these people complain about information that these social media sites gather on you to sell to advertisers to sell you better advertising, but it's it's always been that way, and people yeah. complain about it. And it's don't use the social media. Why do we have ratings? Why do they have ratings? Mm-hmm. Not okay. for us. It's not for yeah. us. It's to tell so, advertisers who's watching what so they can spend the proper amount of money on those shows. Yep. Nielsen ratings aren't for us. They've never been for us. Yeah. They're for ad yeah. agents. They want to know what the age range is so they can target those age ranges and the right. demographics. And, yeah. And they, yeah, Randy's Rand- saying. I, I have, I have ads on all my streams. Oh, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> I have had it on all my streams. It's like old TV. Like TNT mm-hmm. would have phones all day and ad everywhere once in a while. And it's, yeah. but yeah. And that's the thing though that gets me is though you are now paying a premium for the streaming service and then, then you're getting ads on top of it. It's, but that's so different than what cable was in the eighties. Like you were paying, think about this. I remember my mom talked about cable. Like when, she, when we had cable, she said, boy, in the sixties, they would have these, cause they were trying to push cable back in the sixties. They used to advertise, have these like public services. Like, they want you to pay for television. Yeah. Why would you pay for something that comes over the airwaves for free? By the 80s, we we're like, ooh, HBO. We were paying a premium. Our parents were, we were paying a premium. But you were paying for ads. channels you couldn't get over the air. That's the other thing. Correct. Right. But they still advertised to you. Yeah. They were still had okay. ads. I, I didn't mean to, like, insert big. No, I mean. We talking so, about that porn thing again? No, no. So, all right. So, next next little news bit here. ARS Technica is talking about the fact that PlayStation Network is erasing 1,318 seasons of Discovery shows from their customer libraries, and that includes ones that PlayStation people paid for to be able to... This goes back to the thing you're always saying, have physical media, because... Who's been talking about... If you don't have it in your hand, you don't own it. Mm Who has been saying about the reemergence of physical media over the next three or four years. I'm telling we've been saying this for months. Physical yeah. media will become more of a thing because people are starting to realize how intangible the media they think they own truly is. And this is this is PlayStation Network losing the Discovery license, I think. Because they're doing right? next. And then along those lines, speaking of losing licensing, spectacular Spider-Man gone from Disney. Which is a surprise. Gone from Disney Plus. That's a su- that's Sony grabbing their stuff from Disney. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. Sony made that cartoon too. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, again, this idea of paying a streaming service to own something so you can watch it is complete bullshit. You're leasing it. I, no, I think temporarily. Enough. Only temporarily. I, I think the idea, it's one thing to have a streaming service and just have the stuff on there to watch, but it's another thing where like you paid $10 to own a movie, but it does, you don't actually download it, it's on the service. And like all of a sudden they don't have the license anymore, so it's it's just gone. And there's no or, or they ran anything. out of space because they have to talk to their shareholders now who are saying you have to show a profit, and they mm-hmm. need to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff that that's costing money to store. 
service pay. Right. But it's also why I don't even like my late wife, rest her soul. She would be like, "Oh, let's just buy the movie," and I'm like, "No, let's just rent it because we're not going to watch it a bunch of times. I'll pay yeah. three bucks to watch it once. Like, I don't why pay twenty bucks to own it when it's we're going to what watch it once again." In six months, I'll just pay another three bucks. See, my wife, I'll, here I'll talk about counter my wife. My wife will put the Harry Potter movie on whenever she's sick or whenever she needs to do something around yeah. the house. So she owns them in like multiple variations, owns the DVDs, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. She owns all of the, the Amazon because she hopefully stuff doesn't disappear from Amazon. We had them all, know. we had them all saved on the DVR so yeah. she could watch them whenever she wanted. Yeah. yeah. DVR, See, that and, takes and, space. You had limited space in a DVR. And, th- and this is why like companies, like Sony and Warner Brothers and all these others fight tooth and nail and sue the hell out of anybody that comes up with any kind of home media solution with NAS storage attached to it so you could store the movies so you could rip all of the Blu-ray movies that you've got, put them in there, and then watch them anywhere in the house. Anytime somebody comes up with anything close to that solution, they get sued out of existence by all they these content holders. They don't want that. So here's a... Kassan... I don't believe it or not. I think brings up an interesting point on a tangent. Sony has been putting out some banger stuff on Netflix. Leave the world behind is gripping. Now here's the thing with that. Sony has their own network. Mm, they don't you care. Know, you have to have a PlayStation to watch it, but yet they could make that available on a Roku, but yet no, they, they still put stuff on Netflix. Because so we talked, we've been talking about this for years. Sony has sat out of the streaming wars, right? Completely set out. We said they it. could. They, they, they could. They could. They could be a big player. But, but and this is where Zaslov has a. There's far more money in selling and producing content and selling it than yep. selling subscriptions. Because, like you said, Dave, we are a product. We are not the end result because we, mm-hmm. our money is finite, yep. right? Advertiser yep. money is infinite. Yeah, there's yeah. always going to be more budget money for them to spend to advertise, right? Where us, it's this is expensive. Like they really, like we talked about. I Man, I think we talked about this four years ago when this stuff started, and we yeah. said it's gonna, it's gonna go big. Everyone's gonna want one, and they're gonna realize they're not gonna be able to make a lot of money because there's only so much people can spend, and there's only so much that you can do this way. And they forgot that the money for years, the money in TV was your production company produced a television show, it sold it to a network. It got to 100 episodes. Then the production company got the rights back and they sold it to syndication where the real money came in because that's where the real money was in syndication. And we've bucked that model. And they've uh, and this is why we had those strikes this year. It's because since bucking that model, everybody went, where'd our money go? Yep. And there's our residuals. And that's another thing. But, but they it's the, could the also... project companies do. They're not making the money they used. They thought they would be able to do this on subscription services because everybody saw Netflix making hand over fist, right? And they're right. like, that should be my money. Those are my shows. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, turns out. It turned out that what made Netflix super appealing was having this hub where everything could exist. Exactly. The same thing as the old Napster, basically. And now you, you have all these up. different music streaming services that are trying to control. It's the same old thing. Every time somebody comes up with a good idea, like to democratize this stuff, where the companies could still make money off of it, the companies come and say, we're not making enough money off of it. Let's kill it and try our own thing. But that's the problem is they haven't realized they haven't made it. Like 
you I know people that work for Comcast and like they've <laughs> lost billions on Peacock. They have billions to lose, but at the same time, it's you just astounded when they have to show these when they have to show their profit and losses that they're like, we lost three billion on Peacock, but it's down from the five billion we lost last year. It's just it's lunacy. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you had a point. Go ahead. Put the point. The point is, if you go back to the Napster days and going to your point about Netflix in the in the Napster days, they you could go to Napster and you could find like any song. And when you found the song, it would give you related songs. And and because you could go to into the library of whoever was providing that song and see other songs that they liked, which were probably other songs that you like. The companies were making a lot of money off of people finding songs they never would have found before. And going first. and buying the cassettes and the CDs, and the pro- and yet that wasn't enough for them. And it's the same thing with Netflix. If everybody just put the movies on Netflix, they'd make a lot more money than trying to spend billions right. building their own. I agree on that. The problem with Nap- with Napster when Napster was a household word, the reason why Napster was super successful is because it was stolen. It was yeah. a torrent site before torrent sites were really a thing. Like well, it was the yeah, first but the, torrent site because you just stole the music. Yeah, but the thing was that the profits of the music companies were actually going up because of it. They were selling music they never would have sold because people the were pro- finding other music that they liked and they wanted a pure stream, not yeah, but a low not- kilobit MP3, so they'd go out and buy the CD. They it wanted the physical media too back then. They did want the physical media back then too, but you got to look at the point of view of the, the artists. There were a lot of artists tools because of that. We look at it. We look at it from like where the biz from where the big business owners exist, and not enough for where the individual artists is. Like, oh, I, I understand. Like, people I, crucified I mean, Lars Ulrich for being like this bullshit back in two thousand, but he was mm-hmm. right. Like, you look at what look at the model that's replaced. They're getting cents on the stream. Yeah, cents, not yeah. dollars. They could have fixed Napster by giving oh, like paying pennies for each song or whatever, and they would have made billions off of it. But instead, they killed it. And now the and they control everything, and now you've got Spotify, which is like just killing creators because you can't, you, they're not paying enough for any of the music or the audiobooks. Like nobody's making money except yeah. the, the company executives now. And Taylor Swift. And, the and music industry has been that way for a long time. Watch any interview with Prince from yeah. the '90s to before he died and he was talking about that forever I hated warner brothers yep. just, oh yeah just speaking hate. of warner brothers kassan says i've been seeing warner brothers selling their stuff to netflix which we talked about on this show the batman yeah. suicide squad the suicide squad black adam we're all there i may cancel max reduced renancy i we have already done that i must step ahead of you man here's the thing is like i what just is, got rid like, of hulu's <laughs> Uh, we we kept Hulu. My wife likes this stuff on Hulu. She watches Shark Tank. What? Where? Okay. When the merger WBD merger happened, the D took over the WB. These are discovery people. David Zaslov is a discovery guy. His background is Doctor Pimple Popper. So his val he values that. He doesn't value yeah. the Warner Library. And quite frankly, he's right. The Warner Library has significant amount of money to sell, and when they have as when you have as much debt as WBD has, sell that stuff. Yeah, put it on other sites. Get money. I have zero qualm with that. I'm just not gonna spend money on your site. Yeah, no, I agree. I it, it makes perfect sense. All right, let's do a little bit of news here. Then I've also been trying to include the sources going forward. Vanity Fair did a whole piece on the rise of the MCU and, and Robert Downey Jr. And in the piece, Kevin Feige said, there are no plans 
whatsoever to bring him back as Iron Man. And that's when I went, oh, they're planning to bring him back as Iron Man. Quisada's <laughs> last thing is, my, my only question, was HBO profitable in the old cable system? Yes. Yes, it was very profitable. Yeah. He's not coming back. I don't think he wants to come back. <sighs> I've seen interviews where it goes back and forth on it. Again, hey. it's the same thing with Evans. Like, it's got to be something like, it would have to be something super special for him to do it. No? I don't know. I feel like every time they say they're not doing something, they end up doing it. I think if you had nothing else to do, maybe. But a man's going to get an Oscar this year for playing Truman, right? You think? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he, he, he'll do Dr. Doolittle 2 before he goes back to... I could see that. <laughs> I could. What more does he have to say with Tony Stark that he hasn't already said? Yeah. Like, I why would you bring it back? It would, che- it would cheapen Endgame. It does. You know? It does. And comics does that all the time because they have these great moments and they bring characters back all the time. And it's nothing ever counts. And that's the big problem yeah. with comics. There's no stakes in anything because we can't break the toys. They don't want you to break the toys. So, which I get. These things were not meant to last for 70 years when they were created. Now they have to be IP. And what can you really do with IP? There's only so many stories you can tell. So, yeah. Bring him back as a villain. To hell with you, sir. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, Randy, we love you. <laughs> uh, along those, not really along those lines, over on the Hollywood Reporter, they, was, they reported that Marvel has settled with the Ditko estate over Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. That's so good. They don't, they, there is no, Finally. nothing was about the deal has been revealed, and both Marvel and the Ditko estate have not commented on this. So. Well, because Steve wanted nothing to do with that stuff. Yeah. But his heirs are like, look, we want to check. Yeah. And they're like, God, we don't want to deal with like we do with the Kirby's. Fine. Fine. <laughs> write him a check. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what they did. They wrote him a check. Um, which Ditko did create Doctor Strange. Like, yeah. he's a solo uh, credited for it. He essentially created Spider-Man, too. There's a lot of debate on that. Stan was just doing stuff. Stan was coming to stuff. Like, Jack Kirby essentially did most of the Fantastic Four. Ditko essentially does most Spider-Man. Like, Stan was like, give me a spider guy. Spider-Man, we'll call him. And then it was on Ditko to create everything about him. If you look at the original Peter Parker and look at a picture of Steve Ditko. (laughs) (laughs) Ditko quits, and John Romita comes in. Peter goes through a drastic change in his appearance. Yeah, but he doesn't look like Romita. (laughs) <laughs> no, he look like me. He no longer looks like Ditko, right? Yeah, pay pay the people. Like Steve Ditko was super important. Was super important to the history of comics in general. Oh pay yeah, people. no, I I agree that, that that these creators need to get paid. I don't. But he don't didn't know. want the thing with Ditko is he didn't want. He, he, like, he didn't a, give a crap. It's his family. You know? We want to check. Well, yeah. That's American. That's how the law works here in America. Your heirs have control of things. <laughs> yeah. The article yeah, touch that. Uh, the article's an interesting read, though, because it does talk about how a lot of that stuff, especially nowadays, is all work for hire, where the laws were a little different back then. That's why they were. these laws, that's why these lawsuits actually exist. Yeah, so. Yeah. It's interesting. Mark Ruffalo has come out. This is on. This was on an interview with comicbook.com and said he's hopeful for a, another Incredible Hulk movie. Can't do it unless they have Universal right. on I'm sure he just wants to play the Hulk in something. I'm sure he'd love to play the Hulk in his own movie. They won't. Marvel's not going to do it. They have no interest in working with Universal, who just sits yeah. there like this. <laughs> we'll Universal make a movie still, with you. Universal still owns the distribution rights. They do to the yeah. character, to any solo appearances because it's great. And again, listen to this book. They talk about. They said, "Hey, we want the rights to put him in one of our things," and they're like, "Sure, you can do that. You can't sell a Hulk movie without calling it the Hulk." These fools over here. Oh, they guess they can. <laughs> 
We will yeah, make a they, Hulk. We'll make a Hulk movie with you. And Marvel goes, "No, we good." They yeah. they need to make a Falcon in the Hulk movie or something. Falcon. No, what they need <laughs> to do is have a Hulk Wolverine movie. That would work. I would watch that. Yeah, I'd watch. We all would watch, that. Would watch that. that. That's how Wolverine was introduced. So yeah, it was. Yeah, just just do that for us, and we'll be happy. Hmm. Uh, Son says, "I thought Disney bought back the rights to Hulk for the movies. I thought Universal had rights." Not for solo movies. Parks. No, yeah. Illuminati, Illuminati movie. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Hulk is in the Illuminati. I don't know. How do no, you go? The Illuminati shot him into space. Yep. Oh, That's how you got Wait, World War Hulk. Do you, the, oh, the reason I brought this article up, and there's my question. Do you go back to Savage Hulk now that we have Professor Hulk? Could you? Yes, because we did. All it's going to take is a traumatic experience. That's the best part about the Hulk is that like, because we've established different personalities of the Hulk. Hey, James Burton, this is World War Hulk. Yep. Because we've established these different Hulk archetypes and personalities, you can blur between them. I want to see Joe fix it. I was about I to say, let's Joe fix it. give us a Joe fix it movie. That would work. That would rule. Like yeah. where Banner completely loses it and he thinks he's a mob enforcer in Vegas. <clears throat> oh, my God. That would be phenomenal. Give me that movie. James Maybe Scorsese you finally get off his get off his like high horse and do Joe fix it as a movie. James ha, ha, says F Professor have Hulk, get, he's boring. Have, I, him get, have him get hired by uh, Luke Cage and finish his storyline. I would like that too. I like Professor Hulk. Yeah, I want to see the Grey Hulk too. I, I think the Ruffalo's version of Professor Hulk is boring. Because he hasn't done anything and he doesn't want to smash. I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. But that's clearly we're clearly going. I think we're going. I there was a time I trusted Marvel to be like, oh, but they're going somewhere with that. I but don't trust that anymore. Yeah, especially the explanation that we got in She-Hulk about how he became Professor Hulk was weak. And the Have you met Scar? He's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Wait, where, where do you were you fucking on that planet? Who was the Hulk <laughs> laying the big green pipe to on Scar? The big green pipe. <laughs> it's too bad we don't name these shows. After the fact anymore. Oh, Hulk, oh my God. All I'm going to say is Hulk did a lot of smash. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Hulk smash. Yeah. Yeah. Are you working Sean, <laughs> Sean Gunn. That was a good one. Mm. Marvel used Professor Hulk as excuses not to go to Reed Richards. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. But I think Reed's just, I think they wanted us to read in the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Angela <laughs> and Sarah. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. That's why I appreciate that you're always watching this stream. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh my god. You work all right, all right. <laughs> Sorry. I want to smash shit up Hulk, not smart joking Hulk. I-, I think there needs to be a balance because I do think there comes to be a point where yeah, universe Universal is race to solo Hulk movies. Yep, d- yep, exactly. hundred percent I think that there comes a point where there's only so much you can do with Hulk Smash. You have to push the boundaries of what Hulk can do. But then you get to the point where you get too far away from the Hulk concept. So you have to bring it in. Like, P- I love yeah. Peter David's Hulk. But after nine, I think he wrote that book for like nine or ten years. After that, you have to go back to basics on the Hulk. Because you get too far away from the core say, concept of Hulk. In in Ragnarok, that's the closest we got to Hulk from the comics. Yeah. that The Hulk, that, the Hulk could always talk. This idea that he's just a mindless beast was born out of the show. 70s TV show yeah. and brought into the movies and it's but he was never like that. So no, when they, never. Yeah. When they no, finally it, brought it into to Ragnarok, I'm like, okay, they're going somewhere with it and then boom. Okay, now he's Professor Hulk. Okay. But it's, I think it's okay cuz like I said, like I think Peter like I'll say Peter David has the ultimate run on the Hulk, 
but again, there's only so like you can push the character, then you have to contract a little bit, and then you can yeah. start pushing them again. And it has to ebb and flow. And I like that the Hulk specifically has these different versions of himself that he can interweave, that bob and weave between. So that gives a writer some flexibility to do different versions of the Hulk. Because like, I don't know, like what great Hulk 70s stories are there? There's not a lot. Yeah, because by that point they have reached they had look Marvel in the seventies reaches a rut with a lot of characters, and in the eighties they really start to challenge what these characters are about and start changing lots about them. And I think Professor Hulk is a great example of it. But again, you can't do it forever. At the same time, though, we had never seen Professor Hulk, but now we have. It's been several years, and I'd like to see them go somewhere else. James says that's why Gray Hulk is great. He talks and his stories are like fights. With the leader of Hulk. Yeah, eventually he's heading up. Like, no, I agree. Gray Hulk is great, and he's got an edge to him that the Professor yeah. Hulk doesn't have. And I think having that version of the Hulk around would be fantastic. The question is, where do you do it? How do you do it? What's the workaround? You should do a Gray Hulk versus Wolverine in Vegas. Oh, my God. Kevin, call me. <laughs> got it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Last two stories. We've got our new Maxwell Lord in the DCU. Sean Gunn. So he gave his brother the job. Uh, Okay, I like Sean Gunn is a pretty good actor. It depends on what we want to do with Maxwell Lord. Like, Sean Gunn is typically doing a lot of, like, silly stuff for his brother. But he's shown some range and shown some emotion. And Buffy, he was pretty good. I don't know. Let's see what they're going to do there. I much love Pedro Pascal. He sucked as Maxwell Lords. Let's see what we got. And he could have done better because Pedro Pascal can dwarf himself, but... Yeah, that's a bad movie. But that was 1984. So here's the question. Are we getting the Boha version of Maxwell Lord? Because remember, Maxwell Lord isn't straight up evil until the OMAC project when it turns him into a killer. So are we not getting that version? I don't know. Because I'm not against stuff, but the skills there. Sean Gunn is decent. Yeah. And, and he's going to yeah. hire his daughter, his wife, daughter. He's going to hire his wife to do something. And she's good, too. Like, she's really, I like her as... Uh, Harcourt, Amelia Harcourt in the in Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. She's fun. Yeah, she's really pretty. Yeah, she's talented. Good for him. All directors hire people they like to work with. Go see a Martin Scorsese movie. You'll see a lot of familiar faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go see a Steven Spielberg movie. Go see a Quentin Tarantino movie or a Robert Rodriguez movie. These people work with people they like and trust. And think or about a, any job. A if Kevin you have Smith movie. Oh, Kevin Smith is the worst thing of it. Yeah. But again, if you're going to spend months at work, don't you want to surround yourself with people you can trust? That's just life. That's how life goes. So it doesn't bother me. No, no, not at all. We'll see. Yeah, I like Sean Gunn. You're right. It's what version of Maxwell Lord are we getting? Yeah, I don't know. We could get both. One could evolve into the other. James Burton says Grey Hulk versus Wolvie in Vegas is an awesome idea. I know, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, give JD a call. Uh, call. I would like a grant. All right, our last little bit of news is there are rumors that they're going to cast Kurt Russell as Jor-El. And his response in an interview with uh, comicbook.com was, he'll take on Marlon Brando any day. (laughs) Holy fucking shit. (laughs) Do you know, I think I would cry if I went to a movie and I saw Superman and Jack Burton slash Snake Plissken. Exactly. Slash the guy from The Thing, whose name I cannot remember, slash the guy from Overboard, Santa Claus, Elvis. Kurt Russell is one of my all-time fit. Tango. Or was he Cash? I forget if he was Tango or Cash. Like, Kurt Russell is... Dude, you know there's a Godzilla TV show on Apple right now starring Kurt Russell, and I'm not watching it? What the fuck is my problem? I would... 
Wyatt Earp. Thank you, Randy. Like <laughs> this man is like my favorite. He's, I, you know what? I think he's my favorite actor of all. I love Kurt Russell. Him as Jarrell would make me so happy. I cannot say enough good things about this. James Gunn is a godsend. He was all right as ego, the living planet. I liked him. And I would rather, I wish he was Jason instead of that, but whatever. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. What about you, John? Would you watch uh, Kurt Russell as Jarrell? No, I'm good for it. Kurt Russell will hit it out of the park. He and, always does. And, and, he and he'll disrupt the um, the movie production a hell of a lot less than Marlon Brando would. He's a fucking <laughs> special. Marlon Brando said he wanted to be Jarrell as a green bagel. And I'm fairly certain he said it just to see what kind of a reaction he could get out of Richard Donner. He got none. Richard Donner didn't sell his bullshit, which is why Richard Donner was the man. Yeah. Green Marlon, bagel. The, the end of his life, Marlon Brando, all he existed for was to make directors tear the hair out of the end of his life. He's always been like that. The man's been a pain in the ass since the 1950s. He just got a, He knew Marlon Brando was one of those talented guys who just fuck with people because he knew he could. Everything like, after Streetcar Named Desire, right? Yeah. When he like had his actually probably yeah probably streetcar because the wild yeah. one everybody went wow this guy's good and then streetcar yeah. he like burst he like was the thing like oh my god yeah, you're still, a genius and Dick, after yes, that I am, he was yes I am a genius I'm going to need six left shoes on this movie yep <laughs> why well, give me six left shoes James Russell James Burton says I love Kurt Russell uh, you are an American sir of course you here's do. the thing here's the thing right you always go to Jack Burton we all go to Jack Burton That's my favorite of course. and stuff That's what old Jack would say. <laughs> But I remember Kurt Russell in the computer that wore tennis shoes. And God, that's oh, the yeah, right. no, you've ever said on this show. That is the <laughs> oldest old man thing you've ever said. Ow. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Man. I am sorry. That is ancient. And the mightiest man in the world. Yeah, that was the man, other one. They're old Disney movies, but it's where he I got his that. start. And it's funny because it's like, like people don't think about that. But it's like, I remember being a kid watching those movies with my family and he was a kid when he did these movies a teenager and then he grows into jack burton and snake Plissken, and then ego did you know him and his dad owned a minor league baseball team for a stretch and he played kurt played for them there's a phenomenal doc there's a this is like in the, the late 70s mid to late 70s there's a phenomenal documentary uh, hold on hold on about randy oh. randy this is for you <laughs> will not repeat that there's a the phenomenal documentary about them and i think i gotta pull the title up so i can recommend it tonight actually for when we do recommendations i think this is great casting because again yeah. russell crowe the gigantic pain in the ass marlon brando gigantic pain in the ass kurt russell america's dad everybody america's loves working dad. with him everybody that's why he's perfect for super that's why he's perfect for superman's dad it's america's dad right. should have been kevin costner but somehow they screwed that up at least he won't yeah. tell Superman to maybe let people that, die. That wasn't Kevin Costner. That was the way they wrote that movie. I know, but still. All right. That is all the news for the week. Let's take a quick break and come back with our main topic that JD has been waiting for weeks to talk about. Oh, my God, JD. Turn around. Um, what is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? But that's impossible! 
young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and a good and kind gnome. A world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish, believed in a fantasy, or had a dream, this is the never-ending story. After these messages, we'll be right back. That trailer sucks ass. That was a horrible trailer for that movie. There's like no artistic integrity behind there's no like mystery or anything it's just like hey kids do you want to see a movie like terrible trailer about the same as hey kids want to see a dead body yeah (laughs) show no fear (laughs) or she may fade away we have to talk about how great lamal was in this lamal (laughs) that's good to the song he was the singer for kajaguku oh okay it's a duet with I forget who. Me too, but it's Lamal. It's his song. Mm. All right, so we are talking about was it 1984 or 82? 1984's nothing else good ending. came out of 1984. Dude, 1984 what? might be like the seminal. John's being a dick. Uh, 1984 <laughs> might be like the seminal year of popular culture. Yeah, I think it at is. at least for guys like us. Like almost everything important happened in 1984. Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Karate Kid, Ghostbusters, Karate Kid, yeah, the album nineteen eighty four, the album nineteen eighty four, the book like that came out nineteen that came out long before then, but it was called nineteen eighty four. Like there's just this, there's just like, like a point to it. That's when Hulk Hogan's reign as the WWF champion starts. Indiana Jones says, Temple of Doom came out. Temple of Doom. Like, so, yeah, this is, I'm serious, man. This is like a seminal year in popular culture. Terminator in music, yeah, Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, Supergirl's not a good one to admit. I know, but we kind of brushed out the Destroyer. Gremlins, they did not like so much. I made Andy watch Gremlins because I sold it to him as being my favorite Christmas movie, and it spooked him a little bit, but he had fun with it. He liked Gremlins 2 more because it was more silly. My parents took me to see Gremlins when it came out at the movie theater. I was four. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. This is, no wonder I'm this way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's... Okay, I'm curious. So I was 10... In 1984, you were four. John, how old were you in 1984? 43. Yeah, 43. 43. 41, no. Yeah, 14. Oh, my God. You are old. That's right. You're 10 years older than JD. I forgot. I forget that that you're a full decade older than me sometimes. Hmm. Two questions. Do you remember when you first saw the movie and now watching it again, does it hold up? JD, we know your answer, but go ahead. I want to, I did not see this movie in the theater. I want to say this is probably, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I remember watching it. I remember watching it for the first time, but I don't remember how I watched it. I can't remember if this was a VHS rental from when our, we had our first VHS player or if this was an HBO thing. I literally don't remember, but I remember watching it for the first time and just being super enthralled. It was probably two years after it came out. So I probably saw it in like 86-ish. Okay. For the first time. And, then, and you were sick, so it hit all the right notes. Oh, it's perfect. It was perfect for me at the time. Like, when you're a little kid. Like, again, I was the target audience of this film. And so for me, I can't get myself out of that place. Like, it just, it means so much to me. And again, I have a film degree. I can analyze a film and talk about 
its strengths and weaknesses. But this movie is very special, to me, right? What mm. little kid hasn't felt alone and let their imagination kind of drift? Like I said, this was uh, this movie was very special to a little kid, and I was really happy the day I got to share it with my kid. And we were it's funny we were coming back from dinner tonight, and he goes, "Dad, because he knew I was going to do the show, and he said we should listen to the Never Ending Story on the ride home." And we sung along to it. It was great. <laughs> my kids right. dug it the, James says my kids dug until they saw the blender in the microwave. I don't recall that happening in this movie. I think he's talking yeah, about no, gremlins. No, he's talking about gremlins. Oh, yeah. gremlins. <laughs> yeah, that makes much more sense. All right, John. How about you? What was what was do you remember the first time you saw this and did it hold up watching it again? I was in high school, I saw it in the theater, and I remember thinking to myself, you horse murdering bastards. <laughs> okay. Can I be honest? Is that scene has never bothered me? Bothered the hell out of me. I but. think because I was young and like in my mind, they come back. That even yeah. as a little kid, I'm like, that's a plot point. And I think at six, I didn't process the. I cried when Optimus Prime died. And that's one of the few times I can remember crying in a movie. Artax and Atreyu didn't quite hit me as much. You have to be past the I, point where you understand mortality yep. and ephemeralism. I, I think, and at that point, then it hits you hard. But yeah, before I, I that, you're think, like, it's object permanence. So. Yeah, I don't think I was ready for it when I was watching it, so it didn't stick to me. And yeah, because the death of the horse has devastated a whole generation. This is true. No, the death of Op- Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime is what truly did, yes. Alright, and then, then when you watched it again for the podcast, did it hold up? Yeah, what you think yeah, of it now? it actually held up way, way better. Yeah, doesn't it? It's surprising how much it holds up, actually, for a Hanson movie, essentially. Yeah. And it's amazing to see, like, all the stuff I learned about this. John's got his facts going to drop. I can't. I know. He wants to drop all This was originally originally a German production, not an American production. Yes, yes. Yeah. Who directed directed this movie? Wolfgang Peterson. This was his American debut. Yeah. After Das Boot. Yeah. This was after Das Boot. Yeah. <laughs> what a wild food is, is a very serious movie about World War II, basically U-boat, what happens German to U-boats. people in a U-boat, right? Yeah. And uh, and this was his follow-up, a kids show. You're like, and, yes, who could direct this famous kids story? The guy who made the Nazi boat moves. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. It was shot mostly in German, and then they dubbed mo- dubbed it in English. It was done before there were child labor laws. Filming was supposed to last about three months. It lasted a year because there were injuries on set, including Noah Hathaway getting injured twice. Once almost pretty you know, seriously, apparently. Kick his ass in this movie. They really do. Yeah, no, they did. And for the American audience, Peterson reached out to just this friend of his to edit seven and a half minutes or so out of it for the American production. A guy by name is Spielberg. Nobody ever remembers. Yeah, wonder um, why it had that magic touch with it. Dude, that was when Spielberg I, was just hitting home runs time after time. He had that pop fly with 1941, but after that, it was all click, clip, yep. left and right. And Wolfgang Peters, for, for that, he gave him the Orin from the movie, the actual <laughs> medallion. And what? He gave it to Steven Spielberg? Yeah, he gave it to Spielberg. Supposedly, That's he still so sits cool. in Spielberg's okay. office. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. See, right. research. <laughs> no. You impressed me, sir. I, I've got more, Dave, but go ahead. <laughs> James says, I didn't cry about Artex in either. It was, I was too angry. The nothing, angry, the nothing excited. The, the nothing, nothing existed. existed. Yeah. Yeah, the nothing existed. I, I kept waiting to, for Gormag and R2 to fight. Wait. Trey. The Mork. 
Atreyu, oh. Gamork and Atreyu, yeah. Gamork and Atreyu, okay. Which didn't happen until the end. And that's where, uh, that they that thing where Gamork actually lunges at Atreyu, um, that's when Noah Hathaway got, his sight was injured by one of the pyrotechnics. So that is the one take that they did of that. I got it. They got the one take. So, I, yeah. for years, I thought Gamork was the, I thought the nothing was the giant wolf. Hmm. Yeah. I uh, yeah I I remember thinking that rewatching it at first and then I'm like oh okay okay so this came out in 1984 I did not see it when it came out in the theaters I believe this was one of the movies that my I, I think I've told this before like my dad knew someone at work that had HBO and he would tape stuff for him and then my, he would bring it home for us and this was one of the movies he brought home and I remember watching it and just being like eh like how old were you probably. 12 I, 10 I was, like, like I was like 11 or 12 by the time I actually yeah, so you started watched. getting you're already a little jaded yeah, yeah yeah and but I know I've watched it like when it's been on the TV and stuff when it's come on, come on like I've put it on and I don't I never hated the movie but I never fell in love with the movie and I I realized that when my rewatch it's suffers from a lot of 80s trips it does I like and synth music but <laughs> whoa it, it, it's, it's there's nothing wrong with the music. music. The synth music rules. I feel that way about Home Alone, a movie that yeah. younger than me, like within my age group, really connect with. And I saw it the first time, and I was like, eh. a lot of people like cherish that film, and I never felt anything for it. So I get where you're coming from. And okay, so when I was rewatching it, and I'm waiting for the the what's the horse's name again? Art Artex. Artex. I'm waiting for that scene to come up, and I'm like, it happens so fast. We establish Treyu as the hero. He's got to save Eternia. Or, is it fan, Fantasia? Fantasia. Yeah, Eternia's human. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to save, fan, save Fantasia. He's got to find the human child, blah, blah. He's riding on the horse, and the next thing you know, they're in the forest of sadness, and then swamp of sadness, and then the horse gets sucked into the swamp, and he's gone. And it's you don't we don't establish a relationship between him and the horse. It just happens when you really think about it, right? To a kid, it's sad. To somebody yeah. who's like watching the movie as an adult, it's like, there was no relationship there. So he lost a horse. Okay, like to somebody who likes horses, their horse are murdering badly. Yes. <laughs> now again, here's the thing too: is like when you establish as a kid, when the kid, when you have a youth who sees the kid and the horse together you immediately empathize with the kid and because you, you love right. animals. Right. You, you just feel that bond. So as a child's filmmaker, a child, right? A child's right. A children's writer, excuse me. You, it's, you can, you let your brain fill in the gaps that are already there, but for yeah, an adult, you need to justify that a little bit more. I, I got definitely, I, 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 it's definitely a kid's movie shortcut that they take. Yeah. hundred percent. But it also keeps your ass moving, right? Cause with the kids, yeah. you don't need that man. Back then it was this and dark crystal for me. Fucking loved it. I, Never loved the Dark Crystal. Okay, I like the Dark Crystal. So I was I even as a little kid. I don't know. I don't know if it was the designs of the characters or what, but there's always something that I found rather off-putting about Dark Crystal. A lot of people say that. I I agree. A lot of people say that. And you might have been a little too young for the Dark Crystal. I think I was too young. Yeah, because the Dark Crystal probably comes out when I'm one or two. So when I when it's like on TV and stuff like that, I'm watching this and I'm like and. There's no humans in the Dark Crystal, which I think no. is what makes this movie work. Is not just Atreyu, but Bastion. Is you have two yes. kid characters, so you have totally something that you have the, the character that kids can empathize with, and you have the kids that characters want to be. You have that aspirational character and the empathetic character. 
character at the same time. I, so it hits I, both sides of that as a kid. Whereas I feel in the Dark Crystal, for someone my who was around my age, I didn't feel a connection toward any of them at first. Right. Or at um, all. I never felt a connection to those characters. I'm going to say that too. The Bastion, that's... I sympathize him with, with him so much at the beginning of the movie, especially mm-hmm. the breakfast scene with him and his father. What a great scene. And, yeah, they established the mother's dead. And the fa- again, 80s trope, there are things to do, son, and we've got to pull up from our bootstraps and, and move on. And it's just, and then the non-caring um, father. And it's so funny because I, I didn't experience that, but I know a lot of people that did grew up in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And it's like, I, I get it and I can sympathize with it, but I don't think people today would get that. It's you don't write speaking, fathers like that speaking anymore. It, speaking as someone whose father didn't care about him at all, I that that's what hooked me into the movie initially. I, I never got that his dad didn't care about him as much as right. his dad is closed off emotionally. This is how I read it. Yeah, checked out right, because right, he exactly. lost his wife. He checked out because he lost his wife and doesn't know yeah. how to hold on to his son. Like also, he's still suffering from the trauma. Of I mean, it, it's it's the special. it's the trope of men have to be men. You know, and there's no time for emotions. Where that has definitely changed in our culture well, that's, over the last that's forty talk- years. We're talking about a baby boomer, right? The baby boomers yeah. were raised by, because again, you guys are Xers, I'm a millennial, but the baby boomers were raised by veterans, right? Yep. They were raised by the World War II generation, the generation that had to cut itself off from its own emotions because yeah, we yep. didn't know how to deal with trauma. So they were really hard on their kids. And it's through the baby boomers have being all fucked up that the Xers and the millennials have learned, man, I don't want to be like this. So yep, that right. character, it's a trope in the 80s because it was a lot, it was real. Right. Like think exactly. about how many latchkey kids existed. There's no latchkey yeah. kids anymore. Right. It's funny how like they point this out. I, I see this so much in TikTok and whatnot. And it's so true. In the eighties, there were commercials that were like, it's nine o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? Like people had to be reminded, check Go on find your kids. Kid. Go find your kids. And, right. and it's the, I couldn't imagine that. Like I have a seven year old. I know where he's at all the time. I think yeah. there's a lot of the bigger problem for our, like the bigger problem for my generation is helicopter parenting. Yeah. Yep. Parents that can't let their kids go at all because a lot of us were raised by parents who were, and I didn't, my parents were super awesome. They cared immensely, but there were so many parents that were like completely, like I said, John's dad completely checked out. Didn't give a shit. Or, or when he did, it was that. not the kind of thing that you wanted. You didn't want that kind of attention. Yeah, but that was a real thing. And I think Bastion sees that. And for him, I don't think it's negative. I think for him, it's he just doesn't feel love. There's no love in his life anymore. Mm. So this is a kid that needs this world. This world needs him. And that's what that's one of the things I'm getting at, too, is it's such a shortcut. I don't think you get away with today. No, because it's not real today. But it establishes like the mother was the one that gave the love. He doesn't have that. That's why he wants to escape in the books. And mm-hmm. he talks about all the books that he reads in the with, when he's with the bookstore. Yeah, great scene. Oh my God, James Burton, you're reading ElfQuest. I remember those. I was reading. Yeah, the overreaction to the hands-off parenting of the '80s. <clears throat> Very hands-off. And, com- and the comment before that was James Burton. Oh yeah, yeah, saying he was reading ElfQuest. At, yeah, at I read those. I remember that. He didn't care about. I might you still me. have some of those demos. Yeah, I think James is older than me. I just wasn't. I think I was out of the demo, like the target demo for shows. Like my kids, the kids I teach today were like, you didn't watch SpongeBob. And I'm like, it started when I was in college. Like I had no connection to SpongeBob till recently. John says, you get away with it all the time. Man with his dog. That's how you got John. hundred percent. John Wick comes home from killing somebody, loves his dog, dies. 
people must pay. And the audience goes, fucking A, dude. You killed yeah. that motherfucker. Well, <laughs> Bears and they like people. Dude, uh-huh. that movie worked so well for establishing, like, like it worked better than, like, Death Wish and all those, like, 70s exploitation films. They killed a yep. dog, and America was like, let those motherfuckers. But here's the thing, like, Kazan's saying, and it makes sense, It's but it works on our gen- on our generations because of the way we were raised and the way 100%, we grew up. 100%, because yeah. we're all super sensitive. Like, the yeah. Xers and the Millennials are way more sensitive than our parents were because a lot of us didn't have that, and a lot of us were raised to be like we're the sesame street generation right we were raised to be in touch with our feelings we were raised with mr rogers so we're different and we see a dog like i said my dad sees a dog suffering he's like i see a dog suffering (laughs) i'm like why like sarah Mm -hmm. mclaughlin commercials used to make me cry (laughs) (laughs) all right Um, did you you guys know that uh, oh here's another fact who was the voice of narrator rockbiter and gamork it was all the same person i can't remember who it was Alan Oppenheimer, Skeletor. Oh, Skeletor. That guy was busy in the 80s. He was working. Yeah, he was. Him and Frank... Frank Welker. Welker, that's it, yeah. Frank Welker and Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen, yeah. Those voice guys, man, stayed busy in the 80s. They bounced from one project to the next. And it's the same, like, six... Mm-hmm. I think I think the horse had a different place in America's heart in the 80s. Could be. I remember there's a cartoon called Wildfire about a girl and a horse. I didn't have a horse growing up. I grew up in the suburbs. I'm terrified of horses to this day. So if I've never had a connection to a horse. I've always we would go to the track and watch the horses race. And that's like the closest I got to a horse growing up. So my <laughs> wife had horses and she loves horses. I'm like, you can keep that giant thing away from me. I don't trust it. All right, so we establish a mother's dead. Let's go through this a little bit. He's they also established that he's been missing school or late to school and all this stuff, which makes sense in given the situation that he's in. And uh, suffering the Stephen trauma. King bullies show up. Yep. The Stephen King bullies <laughs> is exactly what those are. Like yeah, he's it's like a cliche too. It's this is totally an 80s cliche. The really smart kid who who is dealing with trauma that nobody is reaching out to and nobody's trying to help. These are the kind of kids they tell us in my graduate school courses that you have to look out for. We have to help these kids not just go at fucking kids weird and just let them go mm-hmm. hang out in the attic of the school to read a book all day. That, that I wouldn't get to that in a second. Yeah, because he goes to the bookstore, which makes him late for school, hmm. and he gets bullied. That's how he ends up at the bookstore. That's right. He gets bullied hmm. on right. his way to school. And he, he goes and hides in the bookstore, and then Willy Wonka is, no, stop, don't take the book. <laughs> Willy Wonka. <laughs> 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 oh, it's literally what he did. It's, oh, this book, knows. you don't want this book. Don't he look at know- this book. No. He knows <laughs> that they need a child's imagination to save Fantasia. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> remember, the, the actual book that this is based on was two parts, yeah. which actually takes the part of Never Ending Story 1 and Never Ending Story 2, but they had to break the book up because you can't make a movie that long back then. And Michael Ahn, the guy who wrote the book, at first was happy about this and then started to really hate it when they first said, we're only going to do half the book in the first movie, and then they changed a few things because it's a movie. And, uh, and yeah, he died in 1995, hating this whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate because it brought attention to stuff. Hey, you know who played the dad in Never Ending Story 2? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, your friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wesley yeah. Ship. Yep. Ah. And Jonathan well, we Brandis. It's a good thing oh. they never made a three. Tell them we're going to do did. the movie. <laughs> Tell them we're no, it's never... a good thing they didn't make a three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell them we're going to do Never Ending Story 2 and we want him on the show to talk about it. He does not do podcasts. It's not going to happen. Don't yeah. even respond. 
He does not even respond to messages and say, hey, you want to talk about it? And he doesn't do any of them. He never does any podcast interviews. I have no idea why. He just doesn't. It's fine. Whatever. You know? He has his life. He lives. Just, Probably yeah, not. <laughs> I don't blame him. I, I say that three didn't exist, but there was three. And the only thing about it that was interesting was that it was one of Jack Black's first movies. Yeah. Other, yeah. Other than that, the Falcor in there is considered an abomination. It looks terrible. It looks like it looks a paper mache thing that was done terrible. by a bunch of third graders. Which I don't My understand own. how you go from, is it the greatest looking thing in the movie? No, but for the time and for his movie, Falcor the, the, looks really good. Yeah. Now to, to, yeah. And then to, this was, the, when this was, when this yeah. was made in Germany, the, the first one, it was the highest, the highest. It's like the highest budget German film since like Metropolis or something like that. And then the third one, the budget was cut so much did. that most of the third one doesn't even, yeah, it's not even happening yeah. in Fantasia. It was, it was all in, it, so, it had nothing, almost nothing to do with the It's like Masters of the Universe. Why so, can we have so, a journey when we can be in New Jersey? Exactly, yeah. Hassan <laughs> says uh, he never read the book. Is it any good? I, I didn't read it. it. Jay didn't yeah. read it. Did you read it, John? You no, no, it's not oh, one I ever picked up after. I it's a movie. German book, to be quite frank. Like it yeah. wasn't a part of like American culture until the movie comes out. Yeah, yeah, and that was the thing too. The writer said he wasn't <clears throat> sure if Americans would like the German sensibility, or was it the director? It was either the director or the writer of the book that said that? I, I read that somewhere. It's possible. Probably I don't the know writer. What, probably the writer. Probably the writer. It's, that's pretentious. That's a, yeah. That's a pretentious that's writer. Michael <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what particularly makes this German sensibility, so to say. But I don't know. Whatever. Mm. Yeah. All right. So he gets bullied. Runs to the bookstore. The bookstore owner tells him about this book, but doesn't want him to read it. The bookstore owner gets distracted, and then he steals the book. Gets <laughs> distracted. Yeah. It, here's the book. Now I'm gonna go answer that phone. Don't touch this book. He leaves a note. Don't touch this book. He leaves book. a note. <laughs> I knew you touched the book. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a scene I thought was interesting because, again, this is a very 80s scene. You, I don't think you would see in a movie. You would see it cut much shorter. Him running into school and running up the hallway to the class. Oh, yeah. Like, that scene is longer than it needs to be. 100%. Especially they're talking about cutting minutes from this movie. I'm like, I remember watching thinking, there's three minutes you could have cut from the film right there. Right. I don't need establishing shots of him going up every corridor in the school. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. He gets to his class, looks in the window. He's late. So instead of going And to they're class doing late, a test, so he's not yeah, there's there's no way. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to read yeah. a book in the attic. Mm-hmm. Which also is weird that a school has an attic, I think, and... And the attic from a haunted house, not the attic from a school. That's an attic from a haunted house. Yeah, that attic does not look like the attic for a school. The the attic from the Amityville Horror. Yes. (laughs) He goes up, which is funny because the Bates Motel. The key is just (laughs) sitting next to the door. He lets himself in and he goes up. And then obviously they establish he's up there for a long time. At least a day. And no one's ever looking for him. Yep. Like. That's also the 80s. They were like, oh, yeah. this child disappeared. I know. I know. Ah, he'll turn up somewhere. I know. We said earlier that in the 80s, there were commercials that told people, to, it's nine o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? Baby Jessica fell in a well, and that was the only person anyone ever, there's the only child anyone ever cared about. <laughs> uh, that, is a old, that is a 35-year-old reference for you at home. Hmm. <laughs> 35? The dust off that joke. 88, I think. 87, 88. 35-ish. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably is 88. 
second grade. That's what makes me think about it. I think I was in the second grade. When that so happened. then he goes up and he starts reading the book. And this is when we really are first introduced to Fantasia, where we get... Which, which is amazing that Disney didn't try to sue them for the name. Because it's not I called th- Fantasia in the I, book. Yeah, it's called Fantastica. Fantastica. Book, I think. Yeah. Disney oh, wasn't quite as sue happy in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. John's right. I'm amazed they didn't try to... They didn't even sniff suing this one. It's possible they didn't yeah. own the trademark on Bandasia. Or, or maybe they didn't know because it was being done in Germany, and then it got released. When it or... came out, they knew. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that's never... It Honestly, it doesn't seem like Disney's ever given a shit about this movie one way or the other, which is weird. Yeah. It's, like, very Disney-esque. It is. It's something they'd be, like, all about, but whatever. So, yeah, he's in... He's reading the book, and you get introduced to Bandasia, and it's a, it's a fantasy world that is being destroyed by an omnipotent presence known as the nothing, which is essentially a parable for it's disappearing because of lack of imagination. The, uh, yeah, and the three characters, we get multiple characters, but the three characters that talk, it's the snail racer. I can't, I can't remember any of these characters' names. Because you know, they're, they're not important. The teeny, the snail racer, and... The rock biter. Yeah, rock and, and the teeny was uh, played by Deep Roy. Yeah, I was about to say, the only actor oh. in the scene is Deep Roy. Mm. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was Deep Roy at first. One of the things that Karen pointed out was because it's funny we started watching it together and I ended up just finishing watching it at home but the dubbing of his voice she said did not match what she remembered Be- because it was all done in German and then they no but she was saying like she felt like it was redubbed at some point like it's possible yeah and I'm curious I couldn't find any information on it I'm it's curious redubbed. possibly a Mandela effect from her possibly she might have but been like her kids grew up loving the movie and would watch it all the time. Could have been the audio track was off a little bit more on the VHS tape they had at the time. That is true too. That is true too. Because I will admit that I was watching it on Daily Motion, where it was on there for free. You cheap bastard! <laughs> you watched it, was it on, on Daily Motion. It was Motion. on Max. I, I watched it on Max. Oh, okay. I'll watch it. Maybe I'll you watch it again. The most, on like my... downgraded copy possible. Did you watch it, something <laughs> ripped off someone's VHS player? No. But here's the funny thing. Whenever there was music, they the the audio got distorted so that they wouldn't get caught for copyright <laughs> on the music. But it was on Max. It was like it's uh, on a couple of uh, streaming services. So it's not like it's a hard movie to find. Dave's hmm. not spending it, a damn dime on this movie. Mad it's on a lot of places. I'm sure it you is. can probably find it on YouTube for free to watch. Which is a shame because the music is part is a character of this film. Like the synth soundtrack and stuff like that is very of its era, and it's actually yeah. pretty good. But only in the American version. The German version didn't have the Lamal song, and it didn't have a, a lot of the synth, too. Would it have Tangerine Dream? I don't... I have <laughs> I'm no dead idea. serious when I ask that question. I don't know. I wasn't able to find out, but... Isn't yeah, it weird that a German song did not... They did not use tech music? You figure the German thing would be all about it. It would be more tech music. Yeah, but yeah. no, it wasn't part of that. Uh, for whatever reason it's funny i talk about uh tangerine dream they actually did the soundtrack to a um similar movie this that came out i believe a year later ridley scott's legend oh yeah that movie is ass especially compared to this isn't that but it's not one of is that tom Cruise's first movie one that is first movie it's one of his first starring movies i believe it came out around the time of top gun i can't remember if it's before or after but i want to say it's the same year so it's like 86 it comes out and it's um, all the only thing memorable about Fantasia is Tim Curry is awesome as the devil. Otherwise, mean, as always, you're not Tim Fantasia. Curry. You said Fantasia. This is, I'm legend. Excuse me. Legend. Yeah. Legend. Legend sucks. Mm. It's a shitty movie. Yeah. Anyway, 
Careful, Unlike maybe. Never Ending Story. <clears throat> I was about to say. So, yeah, and then obviously they establish that nothing is killing it. They're going to see the princess, the empress, I'm sorry, to see if she can stop the nothingness. And then they get to the tower, and that's when we are introduced to Atreyu. And the princess hero. is in it. They said the princess is in another empress. castle. The empress is in another it was, castle. Yeah. It was in another castle. <laughs> and they're like, Atreyu the Great will come save us. And the kid walks in. They're like, what the fuck? It's a kid? We're going to die. And they're right. Held up. Take a hike, kid. We're waiting for a warrior. I am the warrior. Oh, crap. Fuck. <laughs> I guess you can go save the day. We're screwed, which is pretty much the attitude everyone has when, when that and, happens. And here's but the they, but they pulled they pulled a reverse link. It's like this is such... out there. Give us your weapons. <laughs> no, and that's the whole thing too. It's like, this is another weird kid movie trope. Like, okay, you have to go alone, and you have to do this, and like, you can't have any weapons. And there's all these there's all these here's weird some rules Take this about with you. <laughs> there's all these weird rules about trying to save Fantasia. And yeah, here's a necklace to wear. It doesn't make any sense, really, it's if you cute, think about but it's, it. It's, but it's like but being it, a kid. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you can save the day. We're going to hamstring you along the way. because Yeah, it's try. like when you're playing and you you're all of a sudden you're playing with your friends and they go, oh, yeah, you're the hero, but here's what you have to do. And this is, this is the... What's so you guys play game? Dungeons and Dragons. Isn't this like part of the game? Pretty much. You can do this, but... yeah. When I want to take my players' weapons away, I throw a rust monster at them. Oh, sorry, your plus three sword's gone. I guess you're going to have to... Uh, Here's an amulet to wear. (laughs) Go for it. You're trying to make JD check out. (laughs) Talking (laughs) D&D. I was really into into the never-ending story, and then John started johnning it. (laughs) So they give him the amulet, and then they record all of the B-roll that they're going to use in the next two movies. Like, over and over again. (laughs) They did, in fact, do that. They did, in fact, do that. They recycled that material. As much as they could. Yeah, especially when in the second movie they actually got a Native American to play a Treyu, and it's oh, there he is on the horse, white now for some reasons, <laughs> and, and you know, older, is aged significantly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny because so this happens, and then you know, our, we talked about our tax dies in the swamp of sadness, and Treyu's bummed. And then you get to meet Falcor, right? Which is as a child of the eighties. Mm-hmm. It's a giant flying floppy dog. <laughs> Everyone with, with, with pearl scales, which was yes, child in the eighties. With the end of my wife loves it. My wife was terrified of Falcor. She thought he was creepy. And even my seven year old looked at her and says, "What? He's awesome, mom." So <laughs> yes, even my son was well, like, and, oh, "Animatronics were amazing." Okay, wait. Before the, the, we, the expressions they got on him. That's that's before, before we get before we meet Falcor, though, he's he meets the uh, the Oracle, the giant that. turtle, and here's my Stephen King pants, which is which again, no child labor laws. I think they took that. They did forty takes of that, and that's the other place where where Noah Germany Hathaway again. got injured. All right, kind of so hold on, uh, hold on. Before we, but here's the thing. Again, this is where we establish that what. I was going to say Joshua, the boy in the real world. Bastion. Bastion, Bastion yeah. has a connection to Fantasia, where so the turtle's head sticks out, pops out, and he screams, and they can hear his scream. But it was like, it's one of those things like, would he have really screamed reading a book? <laughs> For um, that was a little. I've screamed reading books. Uh oh. I've jumped up when you get to a really good part of a book. And yet, and. 
No, I, I'll, I'll DM. It's okay. We'll talk about all that later. Uh, but I'm up for it. <laughs> Don't do this to JD. He's gonna cry. So Turn the, around. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By by the way, the uh, the animatronics were done by a, gay, a guy named uh, Giuseppe Tora. So it's not Henson. No, it wasn't oh, Henson. And he, he, this guy, just Giuseppe, did work? the stuff for Conan the Barbarian for Red oh. Sonia. Um, and Conan Paul has Space that awesome. Indian. He didn't do much after that, though. All right, Conan, right, probably died. Conan has that awesome transformation scene where James Earl Jones turns into a snake. That shit rules. Yeah, Salsa <laughs> Doom. So I have a question, mm-hmm. Falcor. Yeah. Is he a little too flirty for a luck dragon? No, he's just flirty enough. He winks a lot. Yeah, but you don't. <laughs> if I was a, a kid, dragon, I would be winking at everything. When you're a kid, that's you're not getting that level of. No, it warms your heart. You feel special. He's winking at. He's winking at the kids. Yeah. It's for kids. Like I said, they, this is for children, Dave. Children. Yeah. yeah. Children. There's a, there's there's a long children. white dragon that's the head winking of the at kids. With the head of the dog. Yeah. It looks like I mean, it's the same or it's a lot even it's even closer to toothless right everybody loves a dog like dragon it's a puppy when you need it and it's a dragon when you need it that's toothless more of a dragon but is falcor more of a big dog it's too many dragons. yeah toothless is more of a cat dragon or, it's a dog when you, know. sure. you need it to be a puppy and it's a dragon when you need it to be a dragon yeah but that's the thing though like for kids that's like the epitome of want. oh my best friend yeah yeah, yeah. yeah 100% yeah. You got the kind yeah. of, like I said, every kid in the 80s wanted Falcor. Because, again, you love your dog, mm. and you your dog is your best friend, and he's also your protector. So what is mm. Falcor? The luck dragon. He protects mm. Atreyu. He's a giant flying dog. This is, like, the ultimate children's movie, especially yeah. boys. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree with that. This is geared more towards boys, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially boys of the 80s. Done yeah. 100%. And, and they never really licensed the likeness of Falcor or any other of the characters. I don't really think for, about for, that. <clears throat> but uh, but like nowadays, I'm, I, I, they, no, nobody nobody's really that, enforcing the rights. So if you want to find something, you can find Falcor stuffed dolls and that's and all. that's a funny thing too when you think about it. Like they made RoboCop toys. They oh did. yeah, I had but, but it was they, a, that's an American production. This was a German production. Yep. Yeah. Still, I'm shocked that no toy company was like. Give us the license and we'll make you a bunch of money. They were what probably, if, back then, you approached the toy company or you made your own toy company. Yeah. Okay, do okay let's look at this. Would they have made a bunch? Because what year did this come out? 1984. Would uh-huh. they have made a bunch of money on this? Because everybody, everybody was too busy. Yeah, everybody was too busy. Bear Bears buying... and Transformers and like Cabot and right. well, Patch was done. But like Masters of the Universe was still And Ghostbusters. Like, Ghostbusters. There was a lot of toys on the market in 1984. Like yeah, it might not have worked, but I agree with Dave that I think a Falcor stuffy would have been popular. I would have owned it. I had a Gizmo stuffy. The 80s is all about licensing. He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, it was a German, it's a German company. company. Like the German film market wasn't, didn't revolve around. It still but, doesn't revolve but around. Again, and, and again, well, you're sitting there saying would have done it because of oversaturated market, but it was like RoboCop and Ram- Rambo. That's had years later. But that's, right. Those are also but, years later. But, and they were associated and, and, with, and they didn't come out till they had cartoons. Yeah, like they didn't. And, and also remember, didn't have a toy till the cartoon came out. Same with Rambo. And also remember, like Michael Onda, like halfway through the production of this, he was suing the hell out of them. They settled yeah, the did. lawsuit, continued the movie, but he pro- he probably still had the rights to the likenesses and all that. Yeah. So they weren't gonna. He probably wasn't gonna allow that. 
Short-sighted. Yeah. Writers are very particular about their stuff. True. Very true. I know one who's very yeah. particular about his stuff. I am particular. <laughs> I would like toys. I would like money. Would you? I would like to buy a Fluck Dragon. <laughs> and would you fly <clears throat> if you to attack your enemies? I think you know the answer to that question. So, blah, blah, blah. He goes on a big adventure, finds the Oracle so, at the end of the universe or whatever. Finds right. out. Fantasia's fucked. It's going to go away. You he's have gotta to get find a, He's got to find a human child to name the name emperor. the empress. And they're like, yep. hey, the kid reading the book. He can name it. The kid's like, huh? And then, and that's when you find out it's the friends you had along the way. Oh, it really <laughs> was the friends he had along the way the whole time in this one. Not just a cliche. And then yeah. the world ends. Everyone dies, and he's in there with the prince, with the empress, and she's like, "Dude, give me a freaking name, or we're all gonna die." And he does. He gives her a name, and it. She's holding a little ember of sand. Little, little. Okay, okay. Hold on. What's the name? Moonchild. Yes. Mm-hmm. Karen did point this out. <laughs> That's his mother's name. Yes, it is. Mother was a hippie. And she said, I don't think the father would have married someone named Moonchild. Uh, you don't know when he was like in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I bet I was... Moonchild had some talents. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> that you never know who you're going dragon. to end up with. You've heard of the <laughs> Light Dragon. Moonchild was the... Never mind. Um... Stop. Stop. Josh just got my joke. Yeah, um, you're ruining this childhood thing. <laughs> no, it's my childhood. You are a grown ass man. But then yeah, so he gives her the name and then they basically rebirth I almost said Eternia because of Dave. Fantasia from one little bead of Wait, uh, we skipped now, the in the conversation with the wolf and I, I have a question about that. Two questions about that. Number one, like all everyone who he got along the way, you see his pictures on the wall. That was funny. Then he gets the last one. It's like, oh look, there's a wolf. Oh no, there's a wolf. Oh okay. No, but I'm. Kind of, was he trying to preserve them? I felt like I there was. Some, I feel like no, there was something see- lost in translation with that scene. Like he says he's attacking them, but then there's pictures of everyone along the wall. Are they like this is what I've killed pictures, or he was trying to preserve them somehow? I took it as trophies. I, I, I thought he was looking through it as per, as his memories. You know? yeah. And then he got to the last one. And it's, oh, this is a new memory that's about to, oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, cause, cause at this point, the whole, like, the whole universe is unraveling there. So, you know, he's this right. know, you don't get a sensibilities. Real, you don't get a real fight with them. You get that's because again, one take because because one take, you know, one take is injured. Yeah. And it's a giant. <laughs> animatronic head yeah like yeah they did a lot with what they had but i mean what they had wasn't top of the line i guess it wasn't that it was still 1984 there's only so right imagine what they could do with that today with cgi and i'm half astounded that they have not tried to remake this movie yeah but they could have they could have done more but again and they probably had more on the storyboard but they couldn't do anything because noah hathaway was was very injured at this point his eyesight was in trouble they fucked up a kid man did uh, yeah. Kassan says, don't they have a life-size Falcor in Germany? John, do they? Know. You're the one with no, all the facts. I, I don't know. Oh, That's know, interesting. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, then, then they rebirth Fantasia from one grain of sand after he gives her name. See, this is where the second part of the book usually takes over. Uh, it would take over 
where he has to make wishes so, in order to rebuild Fantasia. It's and fine. Every, we got to the chase. You got to get to the end of the movie at this point. I know. Because they were say, planning on then, doing Neverending Story 2. And quite frankly, they shouldn't do Neverending Story 2. Like, the, this is the crux of the movie. Like, this is the crux of the story. It's the wish fulfillment of the child. That, like, he is in control of this entire universe. And it's the perfect end where he rebirths the universe via his imagination. And th then he gets to use his luck dragon to go after the bullies. Yeah, that's so, what every kid would do. Of course. Every kid was pumping their arms because who didn't what child has never felt like they were cornered by kids that were older and stronger and bigger and you just want that power where you can do it even though Falcor doesn't do anything but scare him but it's a great scene hmm. oh i love um, this movie yeah if you, if, if, if you want to ride Falcor, you, not a, you were city, never a child Dave. you can go to the city of munich and go to a tourist destination called bavaria film studios and they have them there where you can get on them. And Arbarian them. Sound was it studio? Is that what you just said? Arbarian Film Studios. Oh, there's a film called Arbarian Sound. Never mind. No, um, no. John was never a child. John was. Not really. Yeah. I'm no, either that or I'm the eternal child, basically. But uh, Is that like the yeah. ultimate warrior? <laughs> well, un, un, unlike Noah Hathaway, who runs a tattoo parlor in L.A. now. Um, wow. And one of his most requested designs is the Orin. Of course. It's a cool design, man. It's that Ouroboro it that he's talking about. It's yeah. unmistakable. If you see that, if you see that particular Ouroboro, you just, if you're of a certain age, that's the never ending story. Yep. I was going to say, other than Deep Roy, what are the, what happened to all the people from this movie? Did the kid actors be, make other, make a thing of themselves? Even by the I dragon. Mean, like, I don't know. Most kid actors never become adult actors. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. a rare. Well, especially in that era where there were no. Can you imagine the trauma of the kids going through, yeah, three months of filling, a year later and a couple of on-site accidents and yeah. being yelled at by a director after 40 takes. German director. Yeah. German oh. The Germans who are known for their compassion. Yeah. Most kids wouldn't survive that. To go yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, right. movie's great. Movie's great. It is your childhood. You I are love like, it. it is the I ultimate AD movie. It totally is. And every time I watch it, I get a little choked up because I'm like, man, this movie is just, it was, it had more of an impact on me than I ever realized until I got older. And that's why when I hear that song from Neverending Story, I smile. There's nothing but positive memories for me of this movie. Like, I love it. Any kid with a big imagination that is creative and has felt alone yeah, totally identifies with this because you just want to be somewhere else. You just want to be someone else. Because Atreyu is him. He is Atreyu. Atreyu is right, who Bastion right. wants to be. They're the same. They're, they're two halves of the same coin. Like I said, any kid that's ever felt like this, or any kid with that spark of creativity, is both Atreyu and Bastion. It's a beautiful story, man. Mm. All right. I think that's where we can end it. It's a beautiful story. It is. Let's not ruin it anymore. Sure. <laughs> All right. All right. I wonder how many of our audience have ever actually seen the movie. I don't know. Put the, it, put a poll it holds up. up. It holds up surprisingly well. You I know? agree with that. A lot of Kids times today movies, would understand it. My kid did. He loved it. I think that a lot of movies from this era do not hold up very well. Children's movies. This one and like E.T. and stuff like that, I think actually hold up. It's um, pleasant. Every time I watch it, I'm pleasantly surprised that I, I don't get cynical with it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I can get pretty cynical. All right. Why get away with Home Alone? Like I said, I have no yeah. emotional connection to Home Alone. That comes on. I'm like, it's such a piece of shit. Like, 
I don't feel anything for it. Oh. Gremlin. Hassan says, what a superhero speaks Christmas movie pick for this year? Mine is and always will be Gremlins. Greatest Christmas movie ever. What about you, John? I would have to think about it. It's only um, one. I, I, most of the time I go Rankin Bass, but most people don't know. Which one? Oh, Rudolph. They made a couple. Yeah, the first Rudolph. I, I, I was about to say, there's only one option. Die Hard. <laughs> Ultimate Christmas movie. Yeah, but Rudolph is more as a superhero. <laughs> he flies. Rudolph is like he an flies. X-Man. He's an X-Man. Yeah, he is. He's a mutant. <laughs> John McClane is Batman. Come on. John McClane is, in fact, Batman. That is the most... Before Michael Keaton's Batman movie came out, John McClane is the most Batman-esque character in film history. Yeah. That wasn't actually Batman. I'll agree with that. Great movie. I actually Die Hard 3 better than I like Die Hard 1. Blasphemy. No, Die Hard 3 is a really good movie. Die Hard 3 is the one with Samuel Jackson. Samuel right? Jackson and Jeremy Irons, where they have to solve the riddles going around New York. I think yeah. that movie fucking rules. It is yeah. good. All right. I think Die Hard 2 is silly. That's yeah, great. Yeah, Die Hard 2 is the series. Yeah. Until the, next, right. until the last ones came out. That's... Let's wrap this up. Let's go around the room. Okay. What did you learn this week? Or do you have any recommendations? And John, you can go first. <laughs> I learned a lot about uh, about a movie that I'd almost forgotten. Okay, JD, thanks for that. This and it's like I said, it holds up, so I'm happy about that. <coughs> My recommendations are a: don't get the flu, go get your flu shot. Advice. And uh, second would be go see Godzilla minus one while it's still in the theaters. It is well freaking worth it, and we all want a Godzilla zero now, and maybe a Godzilla plus one later. Whatever they're going to do next, definitely want that. All right, JD, and learn shit. The Battered Bastards of Baseball is the movie, is the documentary about Kurt Russell and his father buying a minor league baseball team in the late 70s. It's a great little documentary. I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. All right. Okay. I learned that JD loves luck dragons. Do. Guilty. And, and he gets lucky when he gets to pull out his dragon. And sometimes. <laughs> Not all the time. Um, I will recommend... That you go watch the computer that wore tennis shoes. It's a fun little movie from the 60s starring Kurt Russell. And you can see where the man who's going to be Jor-El started out. How's that? <laughs> Fitting, actually, for the head of the Science Council, really, when you think about it. There you go. That's like, that's like telling people to watch Sean Connery and Darby O'Gill and the Little People to see how he started out. What? Was that an English Darby, o- just... Darby O'Gill and the Little People Wait, was Sean was that... Connery's first movie. Was it? I, know what it is. Yeah. I, thought, I didn't realize that was before James Bond. Way before James Bond. I don't even know what that is. It, All right. It's, I'm it's, good. It's, I'm good. I don't it, need to. I'm good. All, All right. I also it. recommend that you go to superherospeak.com where you can find the podcast every week. Links to our social media at the top of the page. Comic book reviews by our good friend Chris and so much more. And yeah, that's it because I don't know what we're doing next week. I know what we're doing the following week and then we'll be on break. So. Oh, are you saying I get to get creative again? I have an idea. No, I've got an idea for Nick. Oh, okay. Uh oh. You like it. Now I am scared, boys and girls. Be afraid. Be scared. (laughs) Be very scared. (laughs) On that note, boys and girls, as always, thanks for watching. Don't let your cape be caught in the door. Have a good week. (laughs) 